are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. And remember, you can always go to swordchomp.com where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. But if you're listening to the show right now, that means obviously you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chompcast. You can also head on over to patreon.com slash swordchomp if you'd like to support us financially. Uh, more on that later. Either way, we're thankful you're taking the time to check out the show. And we have a fantastic show today. I promise you that. Um, one of the great things about doing this is I sit down and I think, hey, what are we going to talk about this week? And then I got like 10 pages of notes. It's just we, we have a beautiful system uh, in the churn here. Um, we take you under our umbrella, wink, wink, as we analyze and debate Resident Evil 2, the remake that is sweeping the gaming world right now, along with another game that is also sweeping the gaming world. Josh has his first impressions of Kingdom Hearts 3. Not the whole Keyblade, just the tip. I'm late to the Smash Party, um, which apparently is a bit misleading when I heard Smash Party because there's no key jar. Uh, but anyways, I have some thoughts on Smash that I want to talk to you guys a little bit about. Maybe I'll kind of squeeze that in the intros. Yeah, it's kind of a eyes wide shut reference or something. Uh, and Professor Layton, of course, is the sole survivor of the Telltale... Uh, tale, God damn it, Telltale! I'll do it again. Uh, the sole survivor of the Telltale Apocalypse, and he has thoughts on the latest chapter of The Walking Dead. After the series was saved by Skybound Entertainment. We have a boatload of polls to get to. Uh, it's a Super Bowl in America. Is Resident Evil 2 the most impressive remake ever? Metroid Prime 4 being restarted in the development cycle by uh, Retro Studios. And our audience is not too excited for Far Cry New Dawn. And of course, the topic of the show has us looking back on games we feel that were either underrated or overrated with the help of you, the Sword Chomp Instagram community. A little bit of revisionist history, as they say. All that and more on this week's Chompcast. Let's get to some intros. Joshua Fowler is here uh, from Michigan. The the Jimmy Rustler. Josh, uh, we've been smashing a lot this week, uh, which is unusual. Trying to get me on the smash train. Um, and uh, so how's that been for you? It's been fun. I've not done a lot online like with the competitive yet um i've done a little bit and just some of the a few of the issues on there have just kind of kept me from really getting too into it but like playing with any of your friends that you know have reliable internet has been great like it's worked it's worked perfectly for us it's just like occasionally you'll get a match with some poor guy you know who's trying to get the last last few minutes out of that free AOL disc he's got. <laughs> um, <laughs> that old disc. And, and the matches are not uh, not optimal. So, Rocking that dial-up in mm-hmm. bumfuck nowhere. Some random, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's true. It's been fun playing with people that we know. Yeah, um, yeah, it works, sure been... yeah it works great with, this, with, you know, like just us hopping on there. Yeah. I think I think playing Josh made me a little bit better uh, because I played Josh for the first two nights, and the first night he swamped me. I didn't I didn't win a single match, and Josh was rubbing my face. He's like, "Free wins, fish! Get your free wins! Every <laughs> step right up." I was too late just... to the free wins. Mm. <laughs> the free, the free wins are no longer on sale. Mm. Um, or they wouldn't be on sale. They'd be, I guess, mm-hmm. on discount. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's thought that was funny. So, but yeah. And then the second night 
I would say for every 10 matches, I probably won like four of them. So I was, was starting to win a little bit. Granted, I know Josh was probably just trying out new characters, but um, it was still, I still got me, um, get my, got my feet wet. So mm-hmm. uh, if Fish, who I'll be introducing in a second, had come in and just wiped the floor with me after not playing for a while, I would have cried and probably thrown my Switch into the river. So hmm. that's probably what would <laughs> But I it didn't happen. I was hoping for that, but it didn't happen. <laughs> God. You got a big green Bowser asshole right to your face. Mm-hmm. Ain't that right, Fish? Um, Anthony Fisher is here. The Filipino Johnny Depp joining us. Actually, this is a true story. Uh, really excited because I says weirdest thing happened this morning. Fish went live on Instagram. It was really random. He was like, "Fish is going live on Instagram." Um, and what was your big event that you were uh, putting live on Instagram, Fish? What? Oh, I was eating a banana. On my break. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I, 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 bad I, I was I, asleep for that. I know. It, it's a shame because the people who did get to see it live were truly amazed <laughs> at my banana eating, eating skills. No, I enjoy eating a banana on my break at my job. So I was sitting in my car and I was like, you know what? I was browsing uh, Instagram, and I was like, you know what? I should go live for just eating a banana. And it was fun. Like, the Rich Meister, <laughs> our good friend Rich Meister chimed in, and <laughs> he had some funny jokes to say. <laughs> uh, I was like, have you guys ever seen somebody eat a banana with their teeth? <laughs> or peel a banana with their teeth? And, like, hmm. <laughs> Rich was just like, wow, this is all new to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that Fish is sitting there. He's like, I want to eat this banana. You know what? I'm going to live stream this. This is the yeah. kind of thing the world needs not, to see. Not sharing. This seems like oh, a waste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted people to enjoy the moment of me eating a banana <laughs> and me have that enjoyment <laughs> of seeing that enjoyment in people. <laughs> Having that enjoyment of seeing the enjoyment of the enjoyment that you were enjoying. Yeah, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Exactly. All right. Well, I mean, you got to fix your settings because it didn't save that video. So mm, I went back to oh. replay it and enjoy it, and it wasn't there. So, oh, yeah, I literally shame. was just searching for it and I couldn't find it. Now I'm sad. Mm. It's like well, it never I, existed. I think I have it saved, so I might put it back up on there. Do it. Well, once this podcast work. goes live, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and set it back up so people can be like, wow, it's live again. Or just, at least, you just know, give it to me for the, it. if you can get the video, give it to me for the VIP Instagram page for our Patreons supporters. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. They're going to be listening to the show. They're going to be like, I missed the banana. I need to see it. All right. Um, I can make that happen. I um, feel like that's not the greatest selling point for the the uh patreon is like <laughs> join now for five dollars and you can see fish eating a banana wow oh, man i really need to sign up it's, well, depend- it's yeah. depending on if we get any new patreons from it you know we might have a new business model here there's yeah. there's a whole fetish right now on the internet about yeah like generally that's the sort of thing you expect to see for free as you're just kind of tuning into a stream Unless you're specifically paying for it, in which case you have to pay a lot more than five dollars. So yeah, it's a discount. Mm-hmm. If anything, mm-hmm. if anything, that's that's a discount. Yeah. Um, but it's we'll like see. What free we can or do. thirty. It's one one or the other. 
thanks for being here, Fish. And of course, from Japan, we have Professor Layton. Uh, Shay's joining us. Uh, Shay, as I was joking in the intro, the sole survivor of the Telltale Apocalypse. Um, how does it True. feel to be playing The Walking Dead? It doesn't feel like that's something a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's to be expected. I think it's kind of, it kind of mirrors the, the show, the TV show, essentially. It's kind of a shame. Um, I still think the games have some value in them. Obviously, nothing can ever top the first season. The first season was just phenomenal, but um, mm. it's kind of a shame to see that, you know, it was it was revived after the whole controversy, and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> or it feels that way essentially like mm. everyone gave it and for for good reason everyone gave a shit um about what happened with telltale and all those employees you know as yeah. it should but like people people acted super shocked that telltale went under people were like i'm so surprised i thought it was doing so well and then this game get or the the series gets continued and no one's fucking playing it and then you're like, oh, that's why they went under because no one was fucking yeah. playing it. It's mm. kind of sad. Yeah, I wonder if Skybound's going to regret that. Well, it's it's hard. I would I love to see some hard numbers so. on that, just because like I was thinking about about it. You know, there's not a lot of reviews out there. Nobody's talking about it. Most people that are probably playing whatever episode this is are probably like the hardcore that have been following it. So it's how do you represent? I wonder what that number is, just out of curiosity. You know, I yeah, I have no idea and. It'll be interesting to talk about later as we delve into it a little bit later, but I, uh, I'm not surprised that it doesn't have a, a great reception, you know, after all the controversy and everything that went, uh, that basically happened with, with the series and with the company, but, uh, we can get into that a little bit more. I have a lot of thoughts regarding the game. So, or the yeah, next episode. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really, yeah. If you actually think about it, it doesn't really make sense. It, not a lot of our viewers going to jump out there and be like, oh, this is episode three of season four. Let's just start reviewing this. Like, it's, it doesn't really make a lot of logical sense in that regard. Right. Right. Pretty much. Um, that's what it is, right? Episode three of season four? Or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's deep in the trenches. Um, thanks for being here, of course. And I am Morgan. Uh, General Mountain Time is some know me from Montana. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. This is, this is going to be a really good show. Um, I know I can, there's a lot of cool things. Like I, I was really excited about that. Every poll this week from the Super Bowl to, <laughs> to the Red Dead, I was like, God, yes. This, see, the weird thing is I grew up, um, I had this written down in my intro. Like when I was a kid, I was forced, I had very social parents and I was always forced to go to a lot of like Super Bowl parties. And I hated watching when I was a kid, I fucking hated watching sports. I liked playing them. Fucking hated watching them. Um, I was like, I'd just rather be at home playing video games or being antisocial or whatever. And they would drag me. My parents were also religious, so they dragged me to a lot of like church parties and everyone every single year, the Super Bowl. And I was like, I was just sitting on the couch with the old people and try to enjoy the commercials and watch the game in misery, basically. Um, and then weirdly enough, when I got older, I got really into the NFL and I had all these straight, I had all these memories that I can recall on accidentally like someone could be like oh like oh yeah i remember the first time tom brady went up against the rams in the super bowl or whatever and i have all these like accidental memories that were like implanted in me from my uh torturous upbringing but that's if you're listening and you're not in america one of the weird things about america is we have a big party 
um, around a big sporting event called the Super Bowl. And even people that uh, don't really enjoy sports will get together with their friends and get drunk and eat a lot of chips and laugh over silly commercials and stuff. And it's like a, a big event. So um, it should be a lot of fun. And I did a poll this week, and it looks like most of our audience is pulling for the Rams and not the villainous Patriots, of course. Uh, so it's <laughs> it was like 60, I think, to 40, which wasn't a surprise. Um, they're the uh, villainous dynasty in the NFL. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I was going to give you guys a prediction, but I think sport predictions are stupid because who fucking knows what's going to happen? They're human beings. Um, but that's, that's the, I'm really excited for that. Sadly, I have to work. So that sucks. Um, I'll get updates from, like, Fish, give me live updates, please. Live updates. Okay. To my, unless live you work updates? too. In which, which case no. then. Okay, good. Surprisingly, like, <clears throat> I thought I was going to be working through, through, you know, the Super Bowl rush and everything. But I'm working all the way up until it starts, which I think it starts at like 5.30. So I get off around that time. So I get to watch the Super Bowl for the first time in like five years now. Have a big party. Yeah, I usually order a bunch of pizza and get a bunch of beer and I do the whole thing just to feel like a generic American every once in a while. Um, That's what we do. Snack foods. Yeah, yeah. Chips. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite part about those parties when I was younger is mingling with all the delicious foods that were there. Um, and there's always like a room where all the, the cool kids would go to hang out with the cool girls and play games and stuff. And I was always too socially awkward to go in there. And I was like, oh, I'll go sit on the couch with the old people. Uh, <laughs> life could have been different. <laughs> <laughs> but it all got me here. So, you know, it's the way it goes. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun show. And the topic of the show that we are uh, going to get into in just a second is, is a good one that Shay brought up because we don't normally get into like, overrated and underrated because that comes down to sometimes even just preference. So I'm curious to see how we're going to really delve into the, the psyche of that uh, topic. Now I did want to say exciting news. We have our first official sponsor. Um, this is pretty cool. They are called Sassy D Merch, and we're going to probably see them tagged and plugged all over the place. And you can't see it because you're probably listening to this podcast right now, but I'm drinking out of my Sassy D mug with this little erotic Pikachu that has to be seen to believed. <laughs> I got a post up today on the Instagram and, pe- and people seem to really dig it. So um, yeah, we're forging a little bit of a relationship with Sassy D merch. You should go check them out, give them a follow. And when I say this Pikachu mug, it's called Sassy Chew. It needs to be seen to believe. Um, that's true. You need, <laughs> I can't, I'm not even going to describe it. Uh, you need to go check it's, it out for yourself. It's interesting because it looks like it was halfway through evolving to Raichu color scheme wise and then it just was like eh I'm gonna turn into a dick instead <laughs> somebody pressed B <laughs> on the evolution and it was just like Boom! that happens to a lot of people these days instead yeah. of giving it a thunderstone gave it a dildo mm-hmm. yeah. Josh are you trying to say that a lot of people in there f- trying to evolve they end up just turning into a dick yeah. yeah it just kind of happens yeah. they have it's all these true. plans for their life the next thing they Fish, know, they're 35 and a dick. <laughs> Fish, you're in that evolutionary period right now. It's crucial that you don't turn into mm-hmm. a dick, okay? This is pivotal mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, Keep it's those very dildos important. away from me. Mm-hmm. Don't give yeah. me the dildo stone. Yeah, hold, your, hold, your, hold a thunderstone <laughs> or a leaf stone or anything. Just You're attempting not to just hold your rocks. 
<laughs> It'd even funny. be better to hold a kidney stone at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Never had one of those. God, yeah, me either. Yeah, that's, that just sounds like... I was going to say, it sounds just as bad as childbirth, but then I was going to say that would probably piss off a few people. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that probably would. But anyway, Um, Sassy D merch. (laughs) Yeah, uh, go check out at Sassy D merch on Instagram. If you follow us, uh, you'll see them tagged all over the place. Um, Or search Sassy D merch, you can't miss them. But uh, yeah, so it's a good show. Let's get right into it. Topic of the show... Uh, this was one that uh, Shay had mentioned bringing up, so I was wondering, Shay, as far as thinking about like, revisionist history, overrated, underrated, like, was there something in particular that made you think of this topic, or... So, I was actually, this is kind of funny, I was on the NBA subreddit, and Cause a lot of times, know. a lot of times they, uh, they're discussing players and how underrated or overrated this player feels. And a lot of times it's revisionist history. You know, you look at someone like Hakeem Olajuwon, who I feel like doesn't get the credit he deserves as a top 10 player of all time. And then you'll look at people like newer players and how they're just incredibly overrated because people kind of like their characteristics or their antics, so to speak. And they they hype up this player to be more than he or well, yeah, he, I guess it's the NBA, more than he is. So it got me thinking that about games. Like, have there been games in the past or the present that are regarded as better than they really are, realistically, or vice versa? If that there are these games that, you know, maybe were really good for the time, and then in hindsight, we kind of just forgot about them or we talk about the the bad things about or the bad qualities of this game but it truly is a good game we just we only remember the bad things so that that's what kind of got me thinking about this topic is um just <laughs> and the nba hmm mm-hmm. yeah um interesting okay well, uh, well, do you have one to to kick it off with then while you're on the podium here? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of people, and I apologize in advance. I think one of the most overrated games in recent memory uh, has been Portal. Portal 2, rather. I think Portal 2 was incredibly overrated. I think it's a fun puzzle game, and I think the the dialogue is funny, but... If you take away that dialogue, it's just another puzzle game. I think it's I think it's a decent puzzle game. I don't think it's a bad game, and that's not what I'm saying here. I just think that you know, it had been toted as one of the best puzzle games of all time um amongst people in my in my social circle and outside of it. I think that the game was just hyped up to be this fantastical top of the line puzzle game. And then, you know, I played it, and this is personal preference, obviously. I think it was a decent game, at best. And you still hear people talk about how Portal 2 was a phenomenal game, and it was just this top-of-the-line puzzle game. And I think there are better puzzle games out there, honestly, and I think there are games with better dialogue out there. I think it is a decent game. I just don't think it's as good as it has been hyped up to be by its 
um, multitude of fans. Yeah, I think that's fair-ish. It's still amazing, but it's not as good as the first one, and I think it gets a lot of love for something that a lot of nerds absolutely just cream themselves over, and that's finally giving me more lore, more backstory to some sort of a vague, cryptic, mysterious story that I really loved before. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Portal was fine on its own. Like, I don't really feel like all this extra stuff that was added into was, at, like, necessary in any way. It's not like, oh, I finally get it now. Like, it's still fine, but I don't know. I, I feel like nerds in particular just completely lose their minds over finally getting backstory for something that they've been debating for all these years. We And whether or not it's good or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I see that in other games a lot as well. So, sometimes that plays to benefit. You know, you look at something like, monsters inc and then monsters university where granted nerds weren't clamoring for the backstory there but we got the backstory and it turned out to be really good you know monsters Mm -hmm. university was just as good as the movie that came before it but then you 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 flip it around and you look at something like the star wars prequels which they're decent movies but when you compare them to the originals obviously it's for many people it's a night and day difference well, especially the, I yeah, especially like the first but, one where they're like, we have all these plot holes we need to fill immediately, right now. We have to fill all the plot holes people have been complaining about for the last 30 years. No, you don't. Don't do it. It's a trap. Don't. Just don't. And yeah, like, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why, like you said, Monsters University is good because there's nothing really there. Like, uh, there were no mysteries or no plot holes that they're trying to fill in here. Like, basically, any of that sh- anybody that shows up is kind of like, oh, that's cool, they're here. And it's not... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, if, yeah, if I may interject better. here, I would say, I think that was Josh's nice way of trying to agree with you, despite the fact that he loves Portal 2. So I think that's partially what's happening there. Because well, I know Josh loves that game, too, and, and it didn't but, really... But that's the other thing. He, he already like, said that on his own, that he thinks it's amazing. Yeah, but but the thing there, and this not a lot of people know this about Portal and Portal Two. Uh, both of those games basically were indie games that never got funding to become full games. Essentially, Valve yeah. saw them, realized they yeah. were just great ideas, and poached them immediately. In the original Portal, uh was that game and then portal 2 was essentially another game they poached stuck into the portal universe kind of incorporating both tool sets from two of these games at this point and like with yeah. like portal 2's whole thing was the uh, uh, painting stuff like the different color paints that would change like how movement worked whenever you were on them like it would make you bounce more or make you run a lot faster and so you're mm-hmm. kind of Putting putting that mechanic together with the original portal mechanic of you know just placing portals, um, and it works, but it's not like those mechanics really had anything to do with each other to begin with. And 
the justification in this world is just, oh, it's it's just this, you know, science research department coming up with all these wacky ideas. They made portals. They made this, you know, time-warping paint thing. And it's like, that's kind of the justification for it. And then they try to make a whole backstory connecting it all. And I don't really think that's all necessary. Like, it does, like no one really needed more of the portal world after portal one. Like, yeah, it's kind of mysterious and left that way, but it, I feel like it's, it, it ends in a good way. Like it ends mysteriously. Oh, I wonder what'll happen now. They, they escaped, but you don't need to know. Like a lot of these things. And, and we, we kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the endings of resident evil seven, um, how there's a good ending and a bad ending. Essentially, even though there shouldn't be because there's just two choices to make and they're not really a good or a bad ending, but one of them's, like, the bad ending is actually so much better for a horror, like, yeah, story yeah. that they're telling, and that's the same sort of thing. Like, they had a good ending to Portal, and then they just started adding stuff on, and we don't need it. Like, it doesn't add anything to the experience in any way. Yeah, yeah, and... The point, point for me simply being was I'm happy that people who are fans of the game got the sequel that they wanted and they're happy with it. You know, like I don't, I don't want ever want to detract from that or say, you know, it's a bad game or anything like that. Just for me, the sheer amount of hype that surrounded the game and has continued to surround the game for me has just always been blown out of proportion. And I think that it is a, de- I, I think it's a decent game. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's all it is at the end of the day. Well, and then, yeah, that's the split of preference right there too. Like I, I, I don't want to go too much into this later because I can answer this later when I get to mine. Um, but I mean, there's a split right there where he said decent like four times and Josh said amazing. That's a, there's a huge split in just preference right there alone. Um, but I will say something in a little bit. So interestingly, bring that one up, Shay. I actually forgot about that one. It's been a long time since mm. we talked about Portal. And you're right. People go, I will say, people go real crazy for like Valve products back in the day, in particular Half-Life, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like because of the, the community that they were building and sort of that, the early PC crowd, like they're, it's almost like the Nintendo thing. And I don't mean that against like a knock at Nintendo, but there's sometimes there's like an affinity for these developers and their most uh, like storied franchises that maybe subconsciously plays into it. I think it's worth thinking about nothing else yeah um okay good one so start off portal 2 what about you josh um what what is overrated in your eyes looking back or i guess in general um what's your rationale what, what are you thinking <clears throat> Ooh, um i don't know about like as far as fan fans are concerned because that's like it's hard to really keep track of like who's going back and talking about these old games or anything um, at least personally, but I feel like as far as just like the reviews and like all the hype that I saw when they came out with the last couple Grand Theft Auto games, it seems like the reviews have gotten better and better as that series has gone on. And I don't think the <laughs> games have, like, I feel like they kind of peaked with three and, you know, San Andreas and the reviews just keep going up. Um, and that seems strange to me. Like, I don't feel like they're doing anything really new and interesting. Um, 
It's weird because I was almost Grand Theft Auto Five was almost my second choice hmm. for the overrated. Yeah, like the the only thing that I can see with Grand Theft Auto Five in particular is the online. Um, yeah, like yes, with without exactly. that, I I don't like there's I I don't see there's you know like a redeeming feature to it. Like so so basically four there's none. Um, but well. Yeah. yeah, I thought a lot about this. That was, you actually stole my answer. Oh. <laughs> one of my two was one of my two was Grand Theft Auto Five. Hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think for the outliers for me that I see throughout history, it's when it becomes a little more difficult to attach a rating pun to to a product because hmm. Grand Theft Auto Five, by all accounts, is a high quality product, but. If I were to go down the list when I think of Grand Theft Auto games, the multiplayer in that game was not really ready to go when it went out the door. So the multiplayer had nothing to do with the scores. That mm. was a thing that caught on later. It was like a, you know what I mean? And it will be remembered mm-hmm. throughout time as a huge phenomenon, but that had nothing to do with the review scores. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah like those, if you look... Hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Was like, so those, those scores, kind of like I was saying, those scores are for like the main story, and I don't think that's... Yeah enough to give it these amazing ratings compared to the older games i think the thing that that really disappointed me when i played it was that if you were to go back if grand theft auto 5 was not a technical achievement it was a late cycle ps3 game and then i'm sorry i burped on the podcast i did that up it was (laughs) grand theft auto 5 was a late cycle ps3 game and then whenever they redid it for ps4 it was just sort of that you know, they put the PS4 coat of polish on it, but you could tell it wasn't really designed for PS4. Mm-hmm. So it didn't have the technical achievements like like the early games. It didn't it has the least interesting characters of the entire saga, all of them. And that's saying something. Um, and it was very. It didn't gameplay wise. You could switch characters, but that's nothing really new or exciting. It just really didn't bring anything new or interesting to the table. But it was well made, and I feel like I. I think that reviewers. I wish they had a little more of a distinction when they'd say, "Hey, this is well made. Here's an eight point five or a nine. But like, let's not blow it out of proportion. Mm-hmm. If it's not at least doing. Like I know Red Dead rubbed a lot of people the the wrong way, but at least it was trying to do some weird stuff, and it was a technical achievement. Look at the old Grand Theft yeah. Autos. Well, yeah, yeah. As far as that goes, like I'd much rather play Red Dead than GTA Five because it's doing something interesting. Whether you like it or not, it's it's different. You're having a different experience there than if you just pop on, you know, AAA the game, um, with GTA Five or something. Yeah, and even even location wise, they went back to a location they'd done before with uh, with uh, San Andreas, but less interesting because San Andreas had that like '90s hip hop vibe that they were going for, very specific with the soundtrack. They had Samuel L. Jackson was in that motherfucking game. Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like it was just a different time, and I feel like that was the most safe Rockstar game I've ever played. And yeah, yeah. So I, I actually agree with you on that one um, because. You, I think if a game can be of a good quality, but if it's not pushing boundaries or doing something brave or at least being a technical achievement, I feel like the reviewer should have an onus to at least try and factor that in. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I To offer a counterpoint on that, you know, because I, I largely agree because, like I said, it was almost my choice. The thing that kind of kept me from selecting it was uh, the online presence in the sense that the mod community there it, it's not like groundbreaking the mods but just the amount that have been implemented into the game and how it can completely 
change the gameplay um, with that many people playing at once. Like I said, not necessarily well, groundbreaking, but to the scale. New. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fact that it was allowed in the scale, I think, is pretty impressive too, because there was a period there of like three or four years where just there was constant videos on social media of people just showing all these crazy mods with the amount of people that were playing together. And it was just such a, a craze, a phenomenon for the time. So it really, it, it speaks to, you know, how, how much mods really benefited that, that game gaming world. And the fact that it's still a popular game online right now, I think really speaks to, um, you know how how beneficial it was for that game and for that IP in general. I you know if they if and when they make a Grand Theft Auto Six, obviously they're gonna have to one up that scale, and that's gonna mm. be difficult for them. You know because five has been such a home run for them, but you know the actual campaign itself, like you guys said, nothing spectacular about it. So for me, like. The the online play was never really a big draw for me, and the campaign was really what I always enjoyed about the series in the past, and it didn't really interest me either. So for me, it was for me personally, it was overrated. But I can also see the value in it. Well, I would say to counter your counter argument, which I actually think everything you said is one hundred percent valid. The most of the ratings and everything came out initially, and the the multiplayer was like. It took a while to catch on, like that whole phenomenon. I don't even know if they launched it at the same time as the actual game. I have to go back and double check. But I, I just think it's interesting that a lot of those review scores were mostly based off the single player, and then the multiplayer became a phenomenon, which is just fascinating to me because that game, the multiplayer, was something pe- is legendary. You know, at least for most other. Me, me and Fish spent a night with Grand Theft Auto Five, and it was fucking a lot of fun. It was kind of broken and laggy and stuff at the time, even when we played it. But like, it was a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, I still feel like a lot of those ratings are based around the story and the, the single player campaign is just like, I don't, I don't see that. Um, yeah, but it's fair because most people are going to look back on it as a multiplayer, a fish, a Filipino Johnny Depp. What? Oh man. What does fish consider? <laughs> mm-hmm. What does fish consider overrated? This is a real, real overrated. dicey thing. Ah. Everything, I don't know, every like, game ever I, made since the dawn of time, overrated. St- who needs them? I still feel like people bring up this game and talk about it all the time, but Skyrim just feels oh, so overrated. Oh, we're gonna have a fight! Uh-oh. Fight on the podcast! Uh oh! Uh-oh. No, Uh-oh. I, I, let me go I'll, filter honestly, our like, email inbox for Skyrim. I can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Shay's face because his webcam's dark, but I imagine it's seething right now. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I Skyrim, I'm sure, kind of perfected, you know, what Bethesda was doing at that time. They they've had plenty of games to work with prior to that, but I feel like it was just, you know, a lot of the fans just jumped on at that point, and um, that was probably their first Bethesda game, and that's where all these big, all these, you know, big reviews came out, and they saw that this game was very popular at that time and um they felt they had to put out something good out and i like to think that you know these reviewers weren't putting out these reviews that were 
praising it just because of how popular it was at that time and like just going along with the flow but like you think about it like for me personally like i've i've i I essentially been playing you know uh oblivion and like fallout 3 and fallout new vegas all the all these other games prior to skyrim and like I think I've had my fill at that point of those games and Skyrim didn't necessarily add anything new to it. Whenever I started playing it, I was just like, well, yeah, I I still have, you know, the same kind of dialogue with these characters. I have, you know, different choices to go about uh, in the world with uh, different interactions with uh, characters in the storyline and whatnot and all these different side quests that you can embark on in this open world that you could explore but it was just a different setting at that time and i don't i don't necessarily feel like it deserved that much praise for you know kind of i don't even think they perfected you know the open world gaming it was more of bethesda just kind of perfecting their own open world um I guess. Uh, so it sounds like you're saying Bethesda made the best version of their own style of games, but you don't think their personal style of games were particularly particularly groundbreaking. No, no. But like when I first played, you know, Fallout Three, like technically, like that that game looked amazing. Like the different storylines that you could get into, the different choices you could make that had different outcomes in that game was uh, at the time all new to me and like fun and exciting. And it, it it was enough to get me to actually beat that open world game and put hundreds of hours into it. Um, but having to do that for a whole nother game and just have, you know, a different setting and different characters and different storylines didn't necessarily, it wasn't enough to like wow me into thinking, yeah, this is the best game in the Bethesda's catalog at this point. And um, I, I'm just weirded out that, you know, so many people still hail that game as like one of their favorite games of all time and um and yet you know i'm sure that it's open world game so of course they're going to be putting you know hundreds of hours into the game and having a lot of fun but i i feel like it's an overrated game at this point for me at least to to go back and look at you know skyrim and think what exactly what exactly was great about that game other than, you know, it being the game, open world game at the time? <laughs> oh, Shay yeah. came into the light for this. Yeah. He came yeah. into the light. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give you the only condition in which I agree with you. I, I do feel like there were a lot of people who came to Skyrim who didn't mm-hmm. want to believe that they were nerdy enough to play an MMO and played Skyrim, and finally played an MMO, because essentially right. the game world is big enough for it to be that, and they probably really would have got it into some Guild Wars or something, some EverQuest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people finally were allowed to lie to themselves just enough to get into a world that big, and there's probably a lot of love for it because of that, that... Are you possibly saying it became, could be it deserved socially by... acceptable? Yeah, yeah. I think a it's more of a socially fantasy? acceptable <laughs> fantasy game, and mm-hmm. and and that's the only way in which I can kind of agree with you. Like, I still think it's an amazing game, 
but I think some other people probably could have gotten on board with WoW or EverQuest or something along those lines, but just finally had the license to get in there and play some Skyrim. Um, and we're talking about how amazing it was and such a life-changing experience. And so well, I can, I I mean, can John, kind I, of agree well, with you for that reason. So I, I knew this super hot drummer that was good with all the ladies, and he made it cool for everyone to like Skyrim. So <laughs> uh, you might be onto something. Mm. Hot drummer. Oh, um, Shay, did you have any thoughts on... Uh... Yeah, 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 I'd like to say something. First off, <laughs> let's nip this in the bud right now. Skyrim did a lot of things that were brand new. Granted, for the IP, like Fish is saying, but first off, fans have been clamoring for dragons and dragon-like interactions to be in that game since the very, very first first iteration of Elder Scrolls. The fact that they introduced dragons into the game was massive because it completely uh, brought the lore together. You know, for four, four games, four very long games, they'd been hinting at dragons and dra- dragon interactions in this world. And the fact that they brought that together was incredible, you know? And not only that, it changed how you play, or it's how, how you do some of the battles, because they introduced dragon shouts, which are a big part of the game and that was hugely in, integrated into the main story um on top of that you have to fight all these dragon priests that have these interactions and this lore like there's so much lore in that game that just the dragons just bringing those into the game uh you know it was really important and i can't i can't even organize all my thoughts right now because there's so many things i want to touch on <laughs> I'm trying, I'm so trying he's to just gonna he's just gonna beat you over the head with dragons dragons psh, dragons psh, dragons psh. <laughs> no dra- dragons were a big thing about that another really big thing is that the um the npcs and the the creatures that you fight granted they're they're never the smartest things in bethesda but the interactions you could have with all these different uh, non-playable characters was elevated on a really big scale. You know, that that was one of the big things that was amazing about that game. And it's still honestly amazing eight years later is people can go into the game, have a wildly different interaction, and then talk with each other about it. And that kind of speaks to what Josh was saying is like, it's an MMO light, essentially. You know, you hop into a game, you see... You know, and I've talked, we've talked about this in the past. We've referenced it in the past. You know, you can run through a field and all of a sudden a mud crab just hops up and wants to fight you on a shore bank. But that mud crab was about to get attacked by one of the saber tooth cats in the game. And that saber tooth cat just happened to pissed off two horkers that were lurking nearby. And then all of a sudden a giant decides to hop in there and fuck with you guys too. You know, like, those are the kind of interactions that you can have in this game, which previously in an RPG console-wise, that was unheard of to that that degree, that scale, really. Um, You know, Bethesda was building up to that. And I think that does kind of speak to your point, Fish, that Bethesda had kind of really perfected 
their model of the open world genre and mm-hmm. open world games. And I don't I don't disagree with you in that point because I I think that there have been games that have come since and have done the open world genre even better. I think to me Witcher 3 is one of the best games um RPG wise to come out ever. Uh the world building in there is phenomenal, the scale in there is great. It's not it, it's not the best, but it's great. Um it does a lot of right things. Where Skyrim they were building up to that. Um, Bethesda was building up to that. Uh, one one thing I really didn't like about Skyrim, and actually this kind of speaks to your point, Fish, actually, is the some of the stories in that game were really lackluster. You look at a lot of the guilds, and I've I've gone on the record saying this plenty of times. The guilds in Skyrim are shit compared to Oblivion. Hmm. Uh primarily the dark brotherhood dark brotherhood was so much better in oblivion compared to skyrim the thieves guild was so much better in oblivion compared to skyrim fighters guild and mages guild are you know those guilds are fun but those aren't the guilds that people play elder scrolls for skyrim basically put a watered down version of the guilds in their game or bethesda put a watered down version of the guilds in skyrim but it was visually impressive for the time. It was phenomenal. And they they hit a lot of right notes, both for their their IP um their franchises in general, but also they did a lot of right things for Skyrim. They did a lot of fan service by bringing in the dragons and they introduced some new mechanics. Now, for some people I could see where that's not important enough to really differentiate. I completely get that. That would be like me trying to talk with someone um, about maybe like even something as simple like Mega Man, like a, a series that you like fish. You know, through the years, they've introduced these power-ups and more characters and different ways to fight. But at the end of the day, it's largely the still, still the same game. But if, if I'm talking with a Mega Man super fan, they're going to be like, no, 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 it plays so much different with all these power-ups. And to me, that's kind of how this whole Skyrim thing is, really, at the end of the day. You look at the games and how they've changed. You look at Morrowind, even, like, the the system in that game was so cumbersome. Like, where sometimes you're going to slash enemies and you don't connect, but your fatigue still, ha- like, you still get hit with fatigue. And the gameplay was so much slower. Um, where Skyrim made it so much more fast-paced and easy to get into the action. It really has changed over the years. I can see where that's not enough for some fans, though. Um, okay, I'll say this. Um, and furthermore... No, I'm <laughs> I, just, I just think it would have been funny if Shay just would have been like, Dragons! And then just drop the mic at that mm-hmm. point. What can you say to that? You can't say anything to dragons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you, you dragons? fish? Huh? Dragons. I I guess I can't. And Fish isn't a Mega Man fan. He's not a fuck. When's the last time you played a Mega Man game? It's been a while. Yeah, that's right. It's been a while. I just played one last month. Oh. Speaking of which, (laughs) the new one is actually supposed to be good. We should probably get around to playing that. 
Yeah, it's definitely. It's now it's Mega lost. Man 11. It's lost to time, Josh. Mm. It's gone now. I will, I will say this. Fish. That says I the, feel, wait, 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 wait. Says the man. Says the man who went back to play Batman Arkham Knight, which is a four-year-old game at this point. Are you going to compare Arkham Knight to Mega Man 11? Or whatever yeah, because, it is? Because one is clearly survived through multiple, multiple consoles compared to another franchise. What I'm saying is that the chances of us going back and playing, making time for a Mega Man game in our busy schedules is just oh, seems okay, unlikely. That's well, all I, I'm saying. I'll, I'll definitely play Mega Man 11 at some point. All right. That's a definitely maybe right there. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it down by definitely maybe too. Um, I will. I'll. I will say this, fish. Granted, it's your opinion, so we don't have to try and change it. But I will say because I have a pretty good perspective on like games in relation to other games of their time, and and Skyrim was pretty technically impressive at the time, like what it was doing for its scale and everything. Like for a snapshot in time, um, open world games up to that point, like the scale of what it was doing and the emergent gameplay it was trying. I don't think Skyrim holds up that well today. That's my opinion, but it doesn't matter because at the time. Is, is all that matters to me when I think about these things. And I remember at the time, it felt really incredible. So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it was really technically impressive. And it was a, a really good game. And we had a lot of cool stories from those little emergent things that would happen. And, yeah, so, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Fish. But I feel like you're just, you might be discounting the technical achievement of that game, I think, a little bit. Mm. No, not necessarily. Like Shay was saying, like... It- it, for the console, it was definitely more approachable by a general audience, uh, I feel like. But, like, dragons have been in other games for a long time as well. Like, oh. in RPGs, of course. And, like, I've <laughs> I've been fighting dragons since EverQuest back in 1998, you know? It's oh, like, damn, he's, he's going against the dragons! <laughs> he's fighting the dragons! <laughs> Whatever, nerd. Playing your MMOs. Uh, I'm a yeah. dragon slayer, man. Yeah, I've been slaying dragons since 1998. Uh, uh, I've been listening to that band before they were popular. <laughs> you know what? It's hard. It's hard for fish to get into certain things like fantasy in particular. I know, I've because I've known fish for a lot long time, and uh, fantasy is a hard genre for him to get into. Uh, I've noticed. He didn't even like The Witcher from the little bit that he played. So, like, I don't know mm-hmm. really what to do with that. Granted, I don't think he played enough. I know Josh didn't like it either. But he didn't. I don't think he really played enough of The Witcher to sit here and make a case against it or for it. Uh, my no. point is that that genre is tough for Fish. I'm just telling you, Fish, at the time, it was a technical achievement. And you have to trust me on that. But that doesn't yeah. make... Whether that makes you it, like it, more or less, is irrelevant because it's your opinion. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it because the only talk that Skyrim's uh, uh, ever like kind of brings up or whatever's brought up in like conversations as far as like favorite games is like people will say, Oh, Skyrim. And like, I feel like that's kind of like a safe way of saying like, Oh yeah, you're, you're, you're somebody who uh, definitely played that fucking, well, the absolute gem of a game. And I feel like it, there's well, you know, the people showing up. Hey, I hear nerds are cool now. Hey guys, I play a Skyrim. <laughs> Well, but, but yeah, think about, and then think all about, the nerds are like, ah, cool. Think about the broad scale picture, though, guys. You know like, what? If a you game... know what? I am that nerd, <laughs> motherfucker. I am that nerd. <laughs> guys, he's right there. Come on. Let's just not. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I mean, think about the grand scale picture of it, though. Fish, you could almost use your point slightly as a counterpoint against it, because to for a game to make fantasy more culturally acceptable, that's a large impact that the game is having on a society. And that is important, I think, when you're considering this. Yeah, yeah I can't. I can't refute that. Um, because, yeah, oh, good. indeed, like, there needs to be more <laughs> fantasy in people's lives, for sure. But, like, I've had it, I've had fantasy, I've delved so deep into fucking fantasy for years and years no, before have you? that. Like, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let, let me bring the most counterpoint of all counterpoints, and then we Wait, can let, Let's go back to, let's go, let's go back to RuneScape, hey. where the final boss was actually a fucking dragon. Oh, you got it RuneScape! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do the same for Minecraft, really. But anyways, um, the counterpoint of, of all counterpoint, there's only been one game remade for the Alexa. I think that's a counter, counter, counterpoint against your counterpoint. <laughs> what up? What How up? How many times? We need a counterpoint counter. How many times did we say counter? Oh, counterpoint counter. Fuck. God damn it. Um, okay, well, let's move on from Fish, because he's now stirred the pot, but I think that he's being honest, and I think that there's value in that. Um, no, he has some good points. He has some very valid points, and uh, jokes aside, I can see where it is considered overrated, but for its time and the impact that it's left, I think that that's silly, but I understand it. <laughs> I like what Shay just said. Hmm. Oh, I, I see hmm. what he's saying. I could see why okay. he thinks that way, but it's silly and stupid, and he's an idiot. That's all. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I understand this form of idiocy. I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, much. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's fun. Um, okay, so just to kind of round it up, I got a really, I got some quick hitters, and then I'll see if you guys have any quick hitters, and then we can move on. Um, Because we have some great comments from the community. Actually, you know what? The community comments might address some of these. So let me let me slide them in right now, just in case some of these come up. Wait, wait, wait! You should just go with yours first because that makes it easier for a editing, b for when we're trying to put timestamps on the episode. Unless you had another one, it was GTA Five, like me. Oh, that's right. It it was someone had just brought up one that I was in my back burner. So when I get to it, I'll get to it. I don't need to go on a tear here. Um, Okay. So let's see. If you'd ever like to leave a comment, and you may have it left or left, you may have it left on the show. Left to die um, for all to see. Um, No, we we bring your comments and we uh, fill them with life and rejuvenation. Add Sorechomp on Instagram every Thursday or most Thursdays, depending on what we're doing on the show, we will have a post, and if you leave a comment, we'll try and read it, talk about it, see what we can do. Um, oh, Shay would appreciate this one, so I shouldn't read it just yet. Let's see. Okay. So, I, the picture I put up was basically a game that I thought was underrated, and that was Catherine, and it had Nathan Drake hanging from her bosom. Um, because I was going to say Uncharted 2 was overrated, but then I realized it was a technical achievement, and I decided I wasn't going to do that. Um, and so, just... Because uh, I think there's merit in that. Uh, there was a comment from Justy85 that said, It's a good, fast-paced puzzle game, and it will make you so uncomfortable at times. Really wild story. Which is, you know, I assume he's talking about Catherine. But uh, Shay, I want to appreciate this now that he's back. Um, it says, IGN Otum Gaming said... 
Sea of Thieves was so underrated until recently. Overrated mm-hmm. is most likely fo- Fortnite for me. I tried it, and after one season, I was done with it. Um, I can agree 100% with that comment. I mean, like, I, yeah. I enjoyed my time with Fortnite, and I don't think it's a terrible game. I think it's overrated, but that's okay. Um, I definitely think Sea of Thieves <sighs> didn't get, its, get the credit it deserves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we haven't gotten to them yet, but as far as overrated go- games go, I mean, obviously, it's hard to say based off of our show and as much love as we gave Sea of Thieves, but the gaming community in general just wasn't having it. They didn't want no. none of that. None of that. And Sea of Thieves That's... really is just a great, great game. And it's, it's, it really is cool kind of seeing the turnaround that is happening right now. That's, people, people are finally starting to get it. So. Oh, Dr. Disrespect plays it, so now everyone wants to give it a shot. I see how it is. Well, well I mean, like, it's kind of having the same turnaround that No Man's Sky did, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, where is this... When we've talked about this in the past, where it's kind of this bare-bones game, and now they're infusing all this content, and people are like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I think that it's turning. I don't know if it's had a turnaround yet, but I think it's, that ship is turning, slowly but surely. Because I'm... At the helm, and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, let's see. It's here. true. And fish is slowly, in the water slowly turning. <laughs> the anchor may be down. We don't know. Anchors away. Uh, Naaman said the Metro game franchise needs some more respect here. I am currently playing the remastered versions of Metro 2033 and Last Light, and it's pretty solid. Tight shooting mechanics and the right amount of stealth really made the game for me. And the supernatural factor of the game is like something out of a movie. With the release of Metro Exodus, hopefully some hype can be generated to play Metro 2033 and Last Light. Which is interesting because Metro is a, is a series that we don't play. And you don't hear a lot of people talk about, yet it kind of exists and people yeah. seem to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it kind of came out alongside so many other games that looked similar at a time. And so I, just, I was just kind of tired of it whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, from everything I've seen about it, it looks like it should have merits that, like, if if you're going back to play something from that generation, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Metro compared to anything else you'd be playing. Did, fun random aside, the uh, there was this big controversy because the new Metro game made a, a deal with the um, Epic Games client. So everyone mm-hmm. who had pre-ordered the game on Steam is still going to get it, but it's being pulled from Steam now. Because they signed an agreement with Epic, but the interesting thing about that controversy is because of that, a bunch of people panicked and they bought the game, <laughs> and the game has actually been surging in sales because people are like, "I don't even know if I really want it, but it's not going to be here whenever I want to buy it on Steam, so I'm just going to buy it now." <laughs> and it was, and it was the number one game on Steam. So that's that's fucking hilarious. Better. They're just trying to avoid AIDS, you know, mm. which is an uh, Epic client. Yeah, and of course, server. the best way to do that is by having as much sex as possible right now. <laughs> Before everyone else has it, lots AIDS. of unprotected sex. Yeah, um, I don't know why I continued with that joke. It was bad was enough when say, you started fish, it, and I decided to make it worse. Lo- you know, you lost me. You did. You did. <laughs> hmm. I have um, no one but one myself I'll to blame for that. It's true. One thing I'll say about the Metro series: I don't know much about it. I've, you know, I used to see it on the shelves and stuff when when I worked at um, GameStop for a little bit. And to me, it seemed like one of mo- one of those more niche games. You know, I remember when I worked there, uh, Sniper Elite Four had just come out, 
And that's a game that obviously none of us play. But the people who would come in and buy that game were a lot of former military people and or current military people. And yeah. it it really like they they would talk about how the previous games were basically really good simulators of what it was like to operate a gun in the military. And I think like with the Metro series, I think that's kind of it's not along those lines per se, but I think it's kind of like a niche game. It targets specific people, kind of like Farming Simulator does or NBA games do. And I I know that kind of goes without saying that's the whole point of games and genres. I like I know that I realize that um before anybody accosts me and says, "Well, thanks for stating the obvious, Shay." But I think it, like it goes a step further than that. Like you know, there are people who like shooters, but they like specific kind of shooters. You know, like Fish doesn't yeah. like no. I mean, you know, your, like yeah. shooting simulators, um, like a sniper elite game. Fish likes fantastical shooters, like Destiny or Halo. You know, I mm-hmm. yeah no. I mean, to your point, I would say I think the thing that's ever kept me away from that series is when I read reviews, people say it's fine, and I'm like, okay, it looks good, it looks fine. I just I've never heard anyone be like. Dude, you gotta play Metro. It's fucking incredible. It's never been nominated for Game of the Year, and I feel like it's just hovering in that like good category. And for people like me who don't have a lot of money to just throw on throw away on stuff, it's kind of like, well, it's supposed to be good, but no one seems over the moon about it. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, like I, the money issue never really. I mean, it's always a factor, and I'm very frugal with my money. But for me, the bigger thing is the time constraint. You know, like. I don't I don't get enough time yeah. to play the games I want to play as it is. Do I really want to devote it to taking that big of a risk in that genre of game that is not my favorite? No, I don't. You know, and that's not that's nothing bad about this guy's choice at all cuz I don't know. It could be a sleeper hit in my opinion, one of the and be one of the greatest games I've never played. Who knows? But you know, for me, when I don't have that time to devote, you know, I, I, I got to pick and choose. And I guess that's kind of the whole point of why we do this is we get to play games out of our norm. But, yeah, you know, until, until we're making the big bucks, I'm going to stick with making slight choices out of my norm, not these well, way left field choices. And if you look at his comment, I mean, and thank you, Naaman, for your comment. It's been a lot of fun to talk about. He yeah. literally says it himself. He says... I'm currently playing the remastered version of Metro 23 in Last Light, and it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. And I think when people, it's it's hard sometimes if it, when people just hear something's pretty solid if it doesn't really grab them. And yeah. that's interesting. I, I think that it's kind of stuck in that pretty solid zone, and that's probably yeah, well. Frustrating. To be fair, he might be trying to avoid what we're talking about and overhyping it. <laughs> At the same overhype time Naaman overhype it sell that game it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever people need to play this fucking game um Kilted Gamer said I definitely think that a game that gets so much hate that it doesn't deserve but it does deserve some of it is Battlefront 2 it's a solid multiplayer shooter with a fun theme not my favorite by any means but it's fun it's also not the deepest but also quite a um quite a bit to bite into and you know like he said the loot box fiasco he talks about it here was really what dirty that game for everyone no one could even focus on the actual game because the loot box thing was so bad yeah i don't think that the game will ever get a fair shake just because of the loot box situation which is sad because that was like 
entirely a publisher thing. Like, I really don't feel like they had anything to do with what the designers wanted for the game in the first place, which is, it's just sad. Like, I, I, I don't know personally just because, uh, kind of like Shay was saying, that's not really the sort of game that I'm going to bump other things off my list to go out and play. But mm-hmm. it it looks it looks fine. It looks fine from everything I've seen. It just got so much hate because of it, what legitimately were, you know, completely fine concerns to have about a terrible loot box system that they were planning on implementing with that game. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I will say this. The first one was really, really good game. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I had plenty of enjoyment with that game for what it was. I went in with no expectations. It was a lot more fun than I expected. And my little brothers and I, I remember we we played it for multiple days for hours. Like I remember one day we just sat in the basement of my parents' house when I was visiting for Christmas, and we just fucking played it all day. It was so much fun. We just took turns. It really wasn't that bad of a game. It was actually pretty fun. And it was kind of exciting to hear that they were coming out with a second one before all the loot box fiasco. And I'm, be- I'm willing to bet it's still a pretty decently fun game um, if we were to delve into it. And I guarantee we would probably have some fun online playing together. But yeah, it mm. is what it is. <laughs> I could tell Josh's mm. yeah was serious or sincere. <laughs> you know, I, I went through... That's a side effect of all this sarcasm. I really need to I need to dial it back so I can, <laughs> you know, have a reasonable, useful yeah at some point yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, Fish. What, were you, what was you saying with those beautiful little lips of yours? Um, well, you know, I rented that game and beat the campaign. Um and nothing i mean it's an okay shooter uh granted like you could play it in third person i believe and in first person but like if the campaign was just there uh and there was moments there was set pieces like where you're flying the millennium falcon around and having all these nice aerial dogfights which um was probably the highlight of that game so much so that like when i jumped into the multiplayer i was surprised to find that there was actual just game types where you could just play as a fighter pilot and like it would be set in space or um you'd be flying over like tatooine or something like that and um i I actually enjoyed that more than anything else in that game was the actual uh um aircraft uh battles and um actually i kind of miss it at this point like i only had like i only rented it for like two days or so and but that, well you I gotta be careful that... though because fish likes the gummy ship so he has a thing for See, there's there's <laughs> a thing about spacecraft shooting other spacecrafts that just hits What's your you whistle right in the yeah. good spot yeah right in the kisser but no, no. It just gave me kind of like a nostalgic type of feel for like the mm-hmm. older, uh, like Star Wars games, um, like Rogue Squadron and uh, uh, the Pod Racer game oh, yeah. uh, for the N64. Um, yeah, but, I, I mean, it was just a small thing in that game that I really enjoyed. All, all the rest was just, you know, like high polished AAA type of title game that, you know, EA's 
famous for doing, but and people seem to definitely enjoy that formula, but for me it just felt very generic at that point. Fair enough. Uh, this is one of my favorite comments. Billy underscore Duati said, I think Persona 5 is one of the most overrated games of this generation. The story, in my opinion, was a letdown compared to the previous Persona games, and it mm -hmm. was 40 hours too long. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... That is true. Yeah. I feel, I, like, I, think uh, it's I feel like they peaked at 4, and then uh, 5, while it has unbelievably amazing style, like, so much style that I think it gets a pass on a lot of other fronts. They need to find a way to dial that series back, like he said, about 40 hours. Like, if they could make those games with the same tough-as-nails combat, but just not requiring as much grinding out of you. Like, keep the strategy, but we'll get rid of some of the grinding in order to pull it off. Mm -hmm. It'd be there. It would be there. Like it should yeah. not, yeah. it should not, it should not take as much time as it does. It just, it takes too much time. It like, it's unreasonable amounts of time for what they're giving you for it. You know, one thing, one random thought I just kind of had, you know, being here in Japan, a lot of, a lot of people work really long hours. They work really, really hard. And it's interesting to me that I've kind of noticed a lot of JRPGs and a lot of Japanese games in general, a, a big part of their games is predicated on grinding, spending a lot of time mm -hmm. to do something over and over again. And it's interesting to me to look at it from like a cultural standpoint of, you know, they are so busy. Why would they want to spend hours upon hours yeah. grinding in a game <laughs> when they don't have a lot of time to play video games in the first place? I mean, I get that maybe yeah. that's kind of like a mirroring of how their culture and society is, but why would they want to do that again in a video game form? Just random. Well, thought. my theory, yeah, I, I know. I think there's something to that. And I think the persona of the games are interesting because it's teenagers. Maybe it's generally marketed at the youth of Japan, um, which is also kind of the problem because they're always about teenagers and I'm 32 years old. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to say it's bad because it's about teenagers, but I do something interesting with it or something. Yeah, but if I keep it, getting turned on, I'm going to have to answer for it one of these days. <laughs> you said it not me um, yeah. <laughs> well you have to you're dating the teenagers in there too it's like i imagine a bunch of like old well, you know men I, playing I, these games i think that's why the love interests keep getting older in that series like yeah, have you noticed true, that yeah. like they keep having more teachers and nurses and stuff and you're supposed to be playing as a high schooler and like you have romance options that are in their 30s and that yeah, has to be because they know that's who their audience is like yeah. really like it's like it's getting creepier and creepier who they're allowing you to date but it's got to be for that reason right like yep yeah uh yeah well, and if you look at it on a base level, I'll just say this and we can move on. It was just another Persona game. Like, as stylish as it was and as great as the music was, and all respect to our good friend Rich Meister, this is his game of the year. If you love it, you can love it. But, like, when I look at my personal scale of, like, the impact the game has, it just did a bunch of the same stuff that the games have done for a long time. It didn't try to do anything groundbreaking. It wasn't a technical achievement, really. It was just another Persona game. And I think that that's why I was kind of shocked when it got the accolades that it did. Um. <clears throat> yeah, 
I mean, I, I don't know. Last, I, I get it ahead, though. Ahead, like it's it's still it's still it's still a good Persona game. It's not bad, but it's not the best Persona game. And it feels like there are so many more people talking about this one than yeah the last two. It's, and I think both of the last two were better than this. Like three and four were yeah. both better than five, I think. And we're, and even if you disagree with that, even if you think Persona Five is better, it's still more of the same. It's still the same thing. Kids in high school, you go through a dungeon, you, you live the calendar life. It, it's the same thing again and again. I want adults. I want them in a workplace. I want adult stories and drama. Maybe a different battle system. Spice it up. Come on. Um, last two comments. What is to be done? Said a game that gets more praise than it deserves is Half Life Two. Let me explain. The overwhelming achievements of Half-Life 2 was the fact that all the new physics capabilities of the Source 2 engine, as well as the groundbreaking storytelling of no cutscenes, but a script-based AI for storytelling. That one's tough for me. We talked about this earlier, I, you know, my whole Valve theory. Um, yeah. Kind of agree with them, but I think they're, it might have been more technically impressive than I remember being able to appreciate. Yeah, I don't think you really had a computer that could run it back when it came out, and I, 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 I feel similar. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think I think it was loved because of all the amazing things. Like, oh my god, games can do this? That that happened with that game, but I don't think you can go back to it and play it in the same way at all. Like, it's just... Yeah, I think if you missed it, you missed it, is kind of where I fall on that. It's hard to say whether it was overrated or not, but I don't think it's a game you can really go back to. Yeah. At least, at least without nostalgia. Uh, last one, Ralph is Fat says, Persona 3 was definitely underrated when it came out, but because of the success, uh, success of Persona 4, Golden, and Persona 5, I think everyone appreciates it more nowadays. The same could mm-hmm. be said for Yakuza 1 and 2, which are overlooked. That's true. Like Persona's popularity now, I think, has brought people to go try those older ones out. Um, I think that's pretty much the same kind of thing. So Appreciated more. So maybe it's not underrated anymore. Uh, and I actually remember GameSpot at the time gave it their RPG of the Year. That's why I tried it. So I don't necessarily think it was underrated, but uh, I think you have a good point. Ralph is fat. Good comment. Great screen name as well. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right, so uh, I want to say thank you to our community for chiming in here. Um, Shay's pointing at me. Are you? I am. Impo- okay. Oh, no. He's not pointing at me. Sorry. Um, he had the <laughs> eager look upon his face. Um, if you, again, our community is incredible. Um, if, if you'd like to help us, you know, fund what we do, being a growing um, community here, you can go to Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash swordchomp. If you look for a $5 VIP tier, you actually get access to a very special private Instagram page with all sorts of cool inside jokes and videos and rare things that if you're a fan of the show, it makes the show better. Everyone, everyone who's a part of the VIP really seems to love it. And... Um, so it's for the hardcore, but that's what's cool about it, I think. So if you'd like to support us, that would mean the world to us. And uh, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, I wanted to hit some really, really, really fast, because we've been going on for a while, underrated before we move on. I, okay. Me too. I want to hit one as well. Hit it, Shay. Hit it hard. Titanfall 2. I think Titanfall 2, what had the, the short campaign was phenomenal. Um, the online play was fun. It wasn't fantastic, but it was fun. And I think because of the fiasco with one, how it didn't have a campaign, that a lot of people wrote off number two. And number two's campaign was awesome. They had a bunch of really good mechanics in the game. I think it was easily 
one of the most overlooked games in the 2010s era of gaming, for sure. Okay. okay. Titanfall 2, good one. Josh? Oh, uh, we kind of touched on it in the comments, but Sea of Thieves, like, like I was saying, like, okay. we, we loved it. But it, the game reviewed horribly, and I think even at launch, it was a really solid game. Um, it really was. It was, it was, even though the, if you're just sitting there and grinding loop was a bit light, just everything you could just do, like the sandbox they gave you was still so good that even, I feel like had the game not had any expansion since it came out, it would still be a good game. Like it's still worth going back to play. Like it was just. If people were playing it. Yes. If other people were playing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Fish? Mm. Underrated. You don't have one. Oh, you didn't prepare. No. <laughs> it's weird. Will, Skyrim is both his... Sea of Thieves, though. Sea of Thieves, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I just like to give you shit, Fish. I'm sorry. Mm. Thanks. Well, I mean, that's my job. Yeah. I keep you on. I've got another one since Fish mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be prepared for, I don't know, podcasting as a profession. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> uh, Take it away. Yeah. Uh, Prince of Persia for 360. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it didn't review horribly, but it, the community was basically only negative for that game. Because, oh, really? no. Wow. Well, yeah, because it went off of, you know, the trilogy of Sands of Time, which devolved into, like, ultra-hardcore just complete fucking gaming TM bullshit as that series devolved. And then they finally tried to reboot it with Prince of Persia, you know, no subtext for 360. Oh, the second Prince of Persia. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Prince of Persia for 360. um, Because, oh no, it's easy. You can't die in this game. But they were actually telling an interesting story again instead of just trying to continue the story they'd been just milking for two games more than they should have um, Mm -hmm. again. And it's a really solid game. Like, they did some really cool platforming stuff. The music is great. The art style is amazing. Like, it still looks good, because they were going for this really cool watercolor look. Mm -hmm. Um just doing something interesting with the 360. Like, we've got this new hardware. Let's see what interesting stuff we can do. And they did a really good job with that game. And, like, it didn't, like I said, it didn't review horribly, but it, it didn't review no. amazingly. And the community just hated it because it was just a bunch of dude bros who wanted to flex their EPs. And then they were given, like, an Ooh. artistic game and didn't know what to do with it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a I game didn't know that I think that is was still, a thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I don't think people liked it at all when it came out, but it's a really, really solid game, really good, and just was was trying can, a new direction with the system, with the with the series that I think people even now it's worth going back to, to to play that game. I completely forgot that game even existed, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. until you said that, um, and now I do remember. Cool. Um, I really like the bad one. The real, the one with the Godsmack music. <laughs> the thing that she's... <laughs> that was a weird game. 
It was actually a good game, but it just was filled with stuff that people thought was gross on the outside. Uh, okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think the thing that's in common with a lot of my underrated games, like um, Catherine and like No Man's Sky and uh, Sea of Thieves, is not necessarily the the expectations of what people want a game to be uh, as opposed to what it actually is and how we actually label something with a score. I think that's when I was thinking a lot about this topic, the thing I settled the most on was the outliers is the term rating overrated. Like even the content of the review might be something I would somewhat agree with, but I think there's certain games by nature of what they are that are very difficult to, to add a score to that makes sense with how maybe they're feeling or what the context or of the review is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Sea of Thieves is a great example of that. I was reading the IGN review and I'm like, most of this makes is well written and I agree with it. The score, I think, was complete bullshit. Now, and I just mm-hmm. think that's because it's difficult sometimes to assign a score when you have to to something that's sort of very unique or weird or different than expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons we gave up on that whole numerical value thing this go around because it was just a nightmare before it's certain things you just can't do it it's just yeah yeah, how having to add a numerical score to something like that because people just fixate on the score the score is the metacritic but the content of the review i think can be somewhat overshadowed or maybe it's difficult to even do so anyways Mm -hmm. that's my sort of closing thought on all that stuff yeah um because i've already beaten no man's sky to death in the past um okay well that was a lot of fun uh we got some games to talk about Boom. uh first let's do a little back and forth dance here because i know josh didn't play resident evil 2 um we have been playing smash so i'm gonna go smash resident evil walking dead so let's go so we've been playing a little smash it's been a lot of fun i alluded to that earlier um i don't know how much there we can add other than uh i beat fish a bunch of times and <laughs> deal with it so, that's the a way bunch of times. <laughs> Look how, how mad he's getting. <laughs> yes. I beat the Asian at a game finally. Ah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just enjoying it right now because it might never happen again. So, Yeah. In my, in my defense, though, like I was using a character that I rarely use. I was just jumping into battle, and we were doing like three uh, free-for-all, three-on-three, or, you know, three of us all going at it at each other um and that was a lot of fun playing that um all three of us together um uh, i did like how chaotic it got and like us kind of like you know uh jumping on beating on one person and then it just going into all different directions and everything but like um we we were sitting at the outside of the game in a ring and like me and morgan were ready to go and i guess josh hopped out to switch a character and me and morgan had i guess already pressed start so we were starting a match and i was like oh shit we're starting without josh and uh i was starting with the character that i just wasn't familiar with and he was using bowser and mm-hmm. uh yeah so i, I see fish I, making excuses making <laughs> excuses yeah <laughs> i am definitely am mm-hmm. but it won't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny because I beat you with Donkey Kong too. Do you remember that? I uh, saved it. I saved it and I jerked you, off to okay. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wait. Was it was it a one on one or was it a 
All yeah. three of yeah, us. Yeah, you were you were Incineroar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Josh was watching us slap each other. Yeah. Hmm. You need oh, to uh, that's right, yeah. you need to go into training and have that uh bot just use down B over and over again until you figure out how to beat it cuz that's kind of Morgan's one trick on Donkey mm-hmm. Kong. So uh mm-hmm. w- once you figure out I've how given to actually up on Donkey Kong, Josh. through a down B. Mm-hmm. You're, Donkey uh, Kong's you're, you're dead golden. to me. Yeah. Yeah, his well, down B is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. It just destroys the- shields if you accidentally shield it or something, thinking he's gonna set up for a smash. Yeah. Well, it's weird the way you guys fight is so different because, like, when I played Josh, we had this like one epic fight where we were using shields like constantly. And when I played Fish, I didn't even think about the using the shield because Fish never used the shield at all. And uh, it was just very no. like very different, you know, style of. It's so the weird thing is I looked I went down this rabbit hole and I was looking up like rankings of characters and there was this site that had all these like ratings for Smash characters and they gave Donkey Kong a D and I was like fuck he's a D I'm trying to use a D over here which which site is this is this because there are a bunch of unbelievably terrible tier lists out there right now because everyone wanted to get in on the hype because the game is selling so well and yeah like I've seen some. Like, any, anybody that doesn't have Little Mac is dead last right now, you can ignore all the rest of their ratings. Um. So dead, <laughs> Little Mac is the worst? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I love that, Little Mac. Yeah. The, 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 my favorite moment was when Fish jumped into that match with Little Mac, and he just ran off the cliff the first two times. Oh, my God. I, like, <laughs> I know. that was My daughter was laughing at you so fucking hard, Fish. Because she was sitting on the couch just right behind me. And, oh my god, yeah, like, literally, like, right at the start of the match, he goes in and just lunges right at me, and I dodge, and he just flies off the edge of the stage, and just (laughs) just keeps going, and Joe's like, wait, wait, what just happened? The great Josh thing about likes- that, though, is like as the match progressed, like I could see Josh try to bait me into jumping off, into the jumping edge. off the ledge. Was, I'm like, let's, yeah. let's see if we can continue the trend. <laughs> I was like, I was a little bit more leery yeah, at that funny. point. I was just like, yeah, nah, I've never got trying to do that. <laughs> that's fucked up. He's just trying to make a fool of you, boy. That's fucked up. Uh, the point, Josh. Well, I had an audience annoying- at that point. I had an audience with my. My oh, daughter behind true. just laughing, like, he's going to fall off the stage again, isn't he? I'm like, I'm going to try. The fucked up thing is Josh likes to use those annoying characters that, like, can fly back to the stage. So you think Josh is about to die. You finally knock him down. He's, like, under. He's, like, one, like, he's down to the point where you can't even see his character. And then, whoop, he comes flying back up with his piranha plant or his king. God, when I was playing Josh with King K. Rule, I was thoroughly having a good match. And every time he fell off the cliff, he would just come flying back up with King K. Rule's, like, helicopter <laughs> head or whatever the fuck that thing is. God, that was so fucking annoying. Oh, my God. Mm. That's the problem with Donkey Kong, Josh. He's like a rock. He just fucking... He's like a fucking gangster putting a cement block on a fucking victim that they just killed and throwing him to the ocean. He just falls right off the edge. Yeah. And he's... Yeah, both the characters that you like, Donkey Kong and Bowser, both have just zero recovery. If they ever get below the lip of the stage, they're just... They're not getting back up. Well, one thing the game doesn't really tell you about is, like, recovery. So here's the weird thing about the game, Josh. I had some questions for you. had some concerns. This is the Smash Brothers hotline. Um, Questions and concerns. So the first thing is, I don't... I get the general idea that the more damage you take, 
the easier it is to knock you out of the ring, right? Mm -hmm. But there's some nebulous stuff there that I don't quite understand. Like sometimes I might be in the red at like 100% and someone can like smash me and then I go flying off the stage. Other times I'll be at like 200% somehow and they're smashing me and I'm not flying out. Is is it kind of random? Like how does that system really work? Uh, No, like every attack has a set damage, but... Damage is not directly tied to knockback from a certain attack. Like, that is independent. Okay. Um, okay. So certain kill or certain moves are specifically kill moves. Like, they're just, they have high knockback, whether they have, you know, high damage or not. And generally, they're not great moves at the beginning of the game because you kind of want to keep a combo going. You want to kind of hit somebody a little ways and then follow up and continue damaging them as they go. And so if you knock them halfway across the screen, you won't be able to actually follow up on it. But once they get to higher percentages, that percentage thing is basically just a multiplier. It's just a percent multiplier on the knockback that you're doing. Um, what so is like a, at what's zero, a kill move? How, do you, know, how well, do you know if it's a kill move? You kind of have to learn it for each character. Like certain character, Like as you attack, you'll just notice which moves are actually knocking your opponent back the farthest like because they they still knock back the farthest at low damages like if you hit somebody with something and they go flying like that the first hit you ever do with them that's probably a good move to try to knock somebody out with um so you just have to try well, to find I know a way bowser's to butts at the end bowser's butt stomp is good at that mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, and that's kind of a slow move because he has to wind up yeah. and jump really high in the air so it's easy to dodge if you see it coming um, but that's exactly like you're saying. It's it's a nice slow move. You can find a way to lead into it. You can knock somebody out with that. Well, fish would just become entranced with my turtle balls. He'd be looking up at my big pair of turtle balls, and mm-hmm. then, oh, mm-hmm. what's that? And then, bam! Yeah, just sitting there, staring up at it, mouth agape. <laughs> Come to daddy, <laughs> and then they'd be there. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of weird stuff they don't tell you. Like the only moves they show you in the tutorial are like the the B move primary moves, mm-hmm. and I guess there's a smash moves are basically every everything else. There's just a lot of stuff that you kind of have to dig into. Um, that for me, you don't have to do it, but I'm trying to get better at the game, so it's yeah, a it's bit a weird system but... since it's not just based off of a life bar. Like you're actually yeah, trying to ring somebody out. It's more kind of like a you know like sumo or you know just controlling the stage is more important than just damaging your opponent. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, who's the OP? Who's the character that everyone is like, thinks is the best in the game right now? Um, it was Krom until this last 2.0 patch because he had um, a lot of characters kind of like Bowser, you were saying, where he has a grab that will pick somebody up and drag them off the stage. You can suicide and mm-hmm. just trade a stock, which is a great way if you've taken a lot of damage like, say your first stock, you, you know, you get the kill, but you've taken, like, 150 damage or something. You can grab somebody and just throw them off the stage with you, and you both die, and you kind of trade out that, you know, life that you were already way behind on for a kill. Krom had that, but basically all the moves in the past where that happened, uh, you'd die, then your opponent would die. But for whatever reason, when this game first launched, Krom would 
drag somebody off the stage like that and they would die first. So like if you were way behind, like, you know, game point sort of a situation, you could just mm-hmm. use that move and drag somebody off the stage and win. Um, which oh, was wow. complete okay. fucking bullshit, but they changed it. So now, now that, that move will always kill, you know, the person using it first, which is good. Um, but yeah, he was, he was kind of the OP character when the game launched. Um, but, but as far as the, basically the rest of the roster goes, it's extremely well balanced. Um, like more so than any of the games have ever been before. Um, like it's it's well, all within this website it's all within they gave like, a, Kong like a fifteen point a, window okay. from like worst to best, like forty five to you know fifty five. All right. Well, they said Donkey Kong's a D, Josh. So I don't know. A D doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't have I good recovery, like you said. Like if you well, get yeah. him off the level, he's not coming back. So. Yeah, it's it's. I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to just find my characters and get at least competitive at it. Not necessarily great at it, but at least competitive. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. I prefer those stages that are a little more straightforward. Like they put a lot of work into some of those levels, but it's just too much going on for my eyes, and it's just distracting. And I fall off, and weird shit happens. And I, I'm not into that when I'm actually trying to fight seriously. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, when we were playing three player the other day, I was playing with just like whatever stage, but generally for like a one-on-one you kind of play on battlefield um just because it is more of a straightforward you know just kind of just fight each other sort of a stage yeah 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 i'm enjoying it i'll try and keep at it so i can make sure that fish gets a a thorough pounding more Mm -hmm. in the future once fish (laughs) (laughs) once fish starts kicking my ass i'm done throwing into the fucking river Mm. Said that before, and I mean it. Um, mm. Hopefully, that'll never happen. But yeah, so yeah, lot, some playing, some Smash, trying to get into it. Hopefully, we'll keep that up. I prefer the two on two, the one on one matches because then one person can watch, and then it's more mm-hmm. crazy. Because I'm trying to beat a fish, and then Josh is over there slapping him in the ass with his piranha plant mouth, and it's just a, it's like a fucking. There's, it's kind of like a three way. You know, one person's always going to be a little left out, and. uh if you're just trying to have a good time, but I have my full attention. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, Shay has been playing, as we alluded to earlier. The uh, did you already finish the Walking Dead um, episode? The whole thing. Yeah. Yep. I finished it. Uh, beat it pretty quickly. So. Like one day, like one sitting kind of a thing. I think it was about a day and a half. I mean, like I I played it for a few hours, or not. Sorry, I played it for about thirty minutes one day, and then I sat down and played the rest of it, um, the following day. So it's it's not long. I mean, it's like two and a half, three hours, like all the rest of the episodes are pretty much. So not a long episode. Is there um anything because it is technically by. Uh, Skybound Entertainment now, even though they brought a lot of people over who were working on the game, does it feel the, like the same thing, basically? Like, or would you say, could you tell it feels like another developer's touched it? It feels largely the same. Like, there's like one or two things I don't, I don't even remember now that felt a little bit different, and I was like, ah, uh-huh, maybe this has some um, Skybound touch to it, but Pretty much, by and large, it feels like the same game. Like, all the mechanics are pretty much the same. The look 
is the same. It's pretty much the same thing. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, uh, you, well, how do you think about? It? I mean, like, what's your what's your overall synopsis of the the third episode of Chapter Four, The Walking Dead? Yeah. So, so to give you guys just like really quick backstory, like a few minutes, so you guys aren't completely lost in the conversation. Uh, in season four, basically Clementine is taking care of this child named AJ. Um, season season three, he was kind of a yeah. Sorry. This is going to be really spoiler. I should have said this. No, no, no. It's I don't. I think we're past the statute of limitations on this game, just by yeah. virtue of okay. it being where That's it fair. is. I but yeah, yeah. I I don't know. For the three people that who are going to care about spoilers, spoilers are coming. Um, <laughs> but so basically, you're taking care of this child that you um you as Clementine that you have basically been taking care of for a while now and. It was in season three that you played as a different character, um, Javier, or Javi, and you didn't play as Clementine. So season four, Telltale heard the criticism from fans saying, why didn't I play as Clementine? And uh, they fixed that, you know. And the season has really been about kind of coming full circle with Clementine as a character. You know, she, Lee in season one was entrusted with taking care of her, and helping her grow into someone who could take care of herself um, in a zombie apocalypse by herself or with a group of people if she needed. She needed to be adaptable and ready for any scenario. And that's kind of the whole point of season one. And season four, we've kind of seen it, see it come full circle, where Clementine has been able to survive by herself in a group. And she's found a group that she likes, which is this group of troubled teenagers and young adults. And she's done. She's been there with AJ, and she actually likes this group of people, and she wants to build this community. Um, so she has to raise AJ, and she basically has to choose whether she instills these these um, these morals and these ideas into AJ's head that go along with what Lee instilled in her, or something different, and. In that context, it's super interesting because basically you started season one with this really young child that was adorable and it was such a good character. And the interaction between Lee and Clementine was phenomenal. And then you get to build that. You get this, you've gotten to build that with Clementine over the seasons. And now Clementine gets to pass it on and you get to choose how that works. And it's really interesting because they touch on some really good moral points. And one of the big ones that episode three touches on is um, at the end of uh, end of the second episode, basically uh, AJ has to kill someone. And the concern there is that basically, or sorry, it might've been the first episode. It's been a little while now. I apologize that basically um, another character is worried about that. AJ is going to turn into a murderer. If like if he continues down this path, he's gonna be desensitized to murder and think it's commonplace. And there's a reason why this character tells Clementine this, which is kind of revealed in the episode. And so, of course, this this is kind of like a foreshadowing event, and something happens towards the end of the episode where you have to basically decide whether AJ commits more murder 
um, to save a character or you have to let another character die. And it's a really interesting, like, it's, it's an extreme example of, I think, a really big moral issue with parenting is sometimes do you let, do you let your children make this, this decision that, you know, will say, like, yeah. benefit, yeah. benefit them in the short term, but will, will do a lot of bad things for them in the long term or do you let yeah. them yeah i know or do you prevent them from making that terrible short-term decision but it will pay dividends in the long run and that was it was really affecting sorry go ahead yeah. josh that's no, no it's, it's, that's 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 a huge struggle in single parent households because i mean like anytime i have to murder someone i always make sure amanda's here to watch the kids <laughs> just like it's just uh. it's just it's you, That's you just don't, good you don't, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, if, if I didn't have that option, I'd have to murder so many fewer people in, you know, in a, a given, you know, month. Just, just thinking of the kids. That. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shay's all trying to get all serious and heartfelt. And <laughs> he's just like, God damn Wait, it, Josh. I, ha- I had to bring it back just, just a bit. No, it's you, you, I, it's well deserved. But you think about where Clementine came from, season one, and the big choice that you have to make at the end of that game is whether you let Lee turn or you kill him. And Clementine basically gets to impart the wisdom that she learned from that decision that she had to make in another young mind. And mm-hmm. I love, I love that they kind of took that huge decision from season one. And they've carried it throughout the entire uh, game, like the whole, like yeah. the whole, all the seasons. It's carried through. It's, it's a. I think it's a really prevalent theme in this world, in a post-apocalyptic world. Is, um, do you lose your humanity to survive, or do you keep your humanity? And I think that's been one of the most compelling themes about any post-apocalyptic show or yeah. uh, story, and especially The Walking Dead. They constantly are playing with that. Um, it's kind of been diluted in the TV show, but in the game, yeah. it's it's something that I think is something that's really interesting. Because in theory, you know, you think about if you were in a post-apocalyptic scenario, would you allow your own humanity to be discarded and forgotten, or would you hold on to it yeah. because that's all you have? Yeah, I, I think I think that's something that that. Like you were saying, like the game has done better because they've actually allowed time to pass in the game, whereas the show somehow is still what I think they're on their third month, like in world time, you know, seven seasons <laughs> later, like how, however long it's been, like it feels like yeah. no time has passed at all. It doesn't seem like anyone ever grows in the main cast, um, right? Which is right. They just, actually did. Yeah. They did a. They did. They did a jump um, between seasons eight and nine. Mm-hmm. They did a time jump. They had to at this. Point, yeah, just but, to kind of catch back uh, up. Like, yeah, right, right. Be like, people are graying hair and losing hair and getting these terrible wrinkles, and it's like zombie zombie apocalypse is only going to be so stressful. It's not going to age you ten years in the span of two months. So, like, fucking seriously, has, <laughs> has anyone seen our presidents after eight years? Like, right, Jesus Christ. These guys should exactly. all be completely gray, like two episodes in. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. One one other big theme that they touch on 
in this episode that I actually, I really liked. It's not something that, like, I'm sure we've thought about it from time to time, but it just, the way it was addressed. The same character that warns Clementine of allowing AJ to continue to, you know, think murder is okay. There's a point in the episode where Clementine, um, he's basically lived amongst these walkers because he wants to live in isolation because he used to um, commit a lot of murder for this group that he used to be a part of. He used to murder other survivors they would find and steal their supplies. And he gets to the point where he doesn't want to do that anymore. And the safest way he can live is basically living amongst walkers. And he does that by something that's kind of alluded to and done in the show is he covers himself with um, the guts of zombies and uh, wears a mask. And he um, does the same behavior. It's a little unbelievable. I agree. Um, but it is, uh, then again, it is a zombie story, to be fair. So the be- the premise is unbelievable. So. You gotta suspend your disbelief. But there's a part in there where he's like, uh, Clementine asks him to lead a herd of zombies um, to rescue a character in this episode. And he basically says, um, I don't want to lead any zombies to their deaths. I don't want them to die. And she doesn't understand why he cares about these zombies so much. And what he does is he tells her to go into this barn full of zombies that he's collected wear the mask that he uses, basically walk to the other side of the barn and ring these, these, um, this bell chime. And um, you can choose not to do it, and I chose to do it. And so you basically walk very slowly. There's this real-time event, and then you ring the chimes, and all the zombies look up at the chimes and regard it as like something that they used to remember. Like That sound is really familiar to them. And then you come out, and she's like, what the hell was that? And he's like, I personally believe that there's still some humanity in zombies. You know, I still believe that a part of our souls are still in those zombies. And if you kill them, they will forever be gone from the world. That soul will forever be gone. And it kind of sparks this pseudo-moral point of, are zombies truly these evil monsters? Or are they these creatures like turned from humanity, but there's still some humanity left in them? And it was interesting because I know that Josh, me, you, and Morgan, um, all three of us have discussed years ago when we would talk about zombie games of it's just, it's a smart way to kill humans. Essentially zombie games are a smart Mm -hmm. way to kill humans. And I remember us having that discussion years ago for our old podcast. And the point that this game was trying to bring up is like, is there still some humanity left in a monster at the end of the day? And you could relate that to zombies. You could relate that to serial killers. You could relate that to rapists. However you want to take that. I don't want to go down that road. All I simply want to say is it posed a very interesting psychological philosophical moral question and i i think it was able to do it in a way that for me was semi-impactful and got me to think because i am such an avid um sorry i i I lost my train of thought there (laughs) mid-thought i'm a person who really enjoys zombies and 
for me to think about it from that angle was kind of interesting. You know, I'm used to playing games like Dead Rising or Left 4 Dead where you're just killing zombies by the thousands, but never to sit down and regard it as is there any soul or bit of humanity left in these creatures I'm killing? Wait, the only thing I'm confused about the the guy. So this was the guy. This was the guy who you said used to uh, kill survivors right back in his prior time. Yeah, and then he didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, and so the only thing that confused me about that was he was he was okay with killing human beings, but now he's uncomfortable killing zombies because they might have a little well, humanity in them. I, no, no, it goes in. I'm trying to. I'm trying to breeze through it as much as possible because there's a ton of dialogue okay, okay. there. That's these games are just okay. rife with dialogue, obviously. Um No, he, he kill he's killing these people and then he he just he gets sickened with it at some point. Um like he's tired of killing humans, so he leaves the colony. And he figures the only way he's safe is to basically live out in the wild. So, because if you leave this colony, they want to essentially kill you because you're a deserter. And he figures the only way he can stay safe is to somehow thrive amongst the zombies because z- zombies in a herd, you know, you it's really difficult to you're it's really difficult difficult to find someone in a herd of zombies. Nobody wants none, and, of, none of that. Right, exactly. So that's the whole suspension of disbelief bit there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was just, I was like, hey, this guy was okay with killing humans at one point in his life, and now he's trying to tell me not to kill yeah. a fucking zombie. It's kind of like right. if you decided to, you know, disown your family and move to Florida, just so there was no chance of them ever coming to track you down. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. They'll never find you in the herd of old people down there. Mm-hmm. The herd of ridiculous <laughs> news that comes out of Florida. <laughs> but yeah. um, overall, the game was. There were points that were super, super interesting like that, and then there were points that were just a fucking lull, an absolute lull. And some some of the stuff was very heavy-handed. There's a character in there that you're going to rescue, and um, you finally find him, but you have been kind of imprisoned with him, and his tongue has been cut out. And it's supposed to show you how terrible these people are but you're just like what what was the fucking point of that you know like cool yeah like hmm. these people are there are a few questions badasses yeah a but, a was that necessary to get the point across b given the state of the world how'd this guy survive exactly exactly you know like, like there's not just like that's fairly uh, lethal with modern medical right. science Right, exactly. So it just, it was a little bit like the the episode have, had moments of unbelievability. Granted, it, again, it's a zombie apocalypse, but um, it's just like there, there are certain points in the game, in the episode rather, that were just a lull and some parts that were just like, eh, I'm not buying into this. And then there were other parts that were super fantastic. So I think that I think that it was worth that uh, Skybound taking it and wanting to finish the last two episodes because there are people who bought a season pass and they want a conclusion to Clementine's story. They stuck through it for eight years now, or sorry, seven years now from season one. They want resolution to that story. And I love that. Um, 
I'm just hoping that the way it ends, I don't see how it ends at this point, but the way it ends is serviceable and respectable. Right now, I don't see where the end is going. And I think that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, on that note, I mean, zombies is a nice transition for us um, because we're talking some Resident Evil uh, as well. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, <laughs> and she runs off. Pee break. Okay. Well, I'll stall here for a second with a poll as we wait for good old Shay to return. Um, so one of the things I asked our audience, by the way, every Monday... I will be launching polls on the at Sword Chomp Instagram page, and they're just kind of fun things to vote on, and we discuss them briefly on the podcast. Uh, one of the polls this week was most impressive remake ever. Resident Evil Two came back seventy seven percent yes. Um, as Shay would say, of course, uh, as Shay would say, of course, recency bias probably. But um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because. This remake is in a weird, it's in an interesting ground. And I was thinking a lot about this cutoff between the remakes like Spyro and Crash, which the developers looked at those games and said, this game is still solid enough to hold up today. Let's just make it prettier and bring mm-hmm. it to new generation. And then there's this group of games that the developers don't really, I think, have confidence in bringing that gameplay forward to a new generation. So they evolve it. And that is a very fortunate thing in this case, because the developers were like, no, this isn't like Crash. You can't just bring these horrible controls into the next generation. Yeah, like that specifically would not work for a game with tank controls. Like making it look prettier and leaving the combat how it was would be so unbelievably jarring. It would. Yeah, like I just... It it wouldn't even work, yeah, it just... There's no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. Like, if you didn't have the original, you know, two and a half polygons to get you in the right headspace to, to move around with those tank controls, yeah, it would be rough. Well, how they, it's true. I mean, how they handled the environments back in the day, too, where it was different with the camera angles and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in a very interesting, this is exactly what I would pray for with Tomb Raider if they ever do it, is something like this, where they, as much as I love the original gameplay, I know that nobody else, a very small percentage of people want that. So the idea of evolving a game, but keeping the essence of the game is something that we've always talked about, and you don't see it very often. This is one of the few times where I think they're like, you know what, people like the gameplay changes we made with 4 but let's incorporate those into what originally made Resident Evil so great and keep the things that made it charming and weird, but kind of up the production value. And there you go. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, I almost feel like they could do that with Tomb Raider. Like, they've almost gotten there. Like, they've, it took them a couple tries to finally get their tombs back to the standard of puzzle that it ought to be. But, yeah. like, if they just scrap the whole open world and nonsense stealth mechanics that are basically just kind of there to let you one-shot everyone, um, just put the focus kind of back combined, on those things. Like, yeah. just make it level-based, and all of a sudden you're yeah, in yeah. really involved tombs. I, yeah. think, I no, think it's doable. No humans? Yeah. It's very doable. I think the issue, unfortunately, is that it's a different company than mm-hmm. I... Than 
uh, Core and, and IDOS and stuff. And that's the thing that's fortunate about Resident Evil. It's Capcom. Capcom has taken, um, has had this franchise in the beginning, and even though it kind of sputtered out a couple times, they, they care enough about it to bring it back in. Yeah. So Capcom's weird that way. Like, they seem to lose their way, but seem to be... It seems like they have enough people there who can realize what made something good in the first place, that they're able to get it back more reliably than a lot of other companies. Like, once they've realized they've fucked up, it seems like they're able to get back on track. It's weird, right? They fuck up a good good amount of times, but they're really good at making, (laughs) taking that fuck up. They've got that turnaround just nailed. Yeah. Yeah. So that makeup sex, you know, mm-hmm. they they're the masters of game makeup sex. <laughs> That's, uh, but no, this game is. I honestly, I'm in love with it. Um, it's incredible. I'm excited to play through again on Leon's. Uh, I just everything about it. I think is just so well done. You know, it's exactly what you think it is. So I don't. I'm not. I don't need to break down the you know idiosyncrasies of the game. But it just, it's exactly what I didn't think I wanted. And I want it, and I love it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's tough. The one, the one criticism I think that would be tough for some people is I'm playing on standard, and it it's a little tricky. Like I'm at a point now in the game where like I don't have very many bullets, if any, and there's like sections where there's liquors and zombies, and like I, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. And a lot of the chompers were giving me shit because I was saying on the last podcast that zombies aren't scary. Um. I was like, well, are zombies scary, Morgan? Are they scary? And I'm like, there, there are definitely moments in this game where they're, it's startling and the threat of the creature killing you is, is definitely unnerving because you don't have a lot of health. You're in these really creepy, horrible, morbid environments. And yes, it's just a zombie. But that zombie is going to kill you and screw up your progress or you're in like I I put this video up on the Instagram and I didn't mean to ruin it for you guys but it was like a point in the game where you literally pull a body out of a morgue and I was pulling a key off the body and then it sprung the life of course I should have figured that out and I was like oh fuck and I was running for my life between zombies and there's liquors everywhere and it was just it was a lot and that area was just really creepy it was like in like a parking garage and there was like a dog kennel there and a morgue and it was just it's fucking just really horrible atmosphere and environments and it was just really unnerving and it just works really 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 well with all the updated visuals and uh, of course, I'm playing with the classic music and everything. So I, I'm just really enamored with the game, even though I do get frustrated from time to time. Uh, Shay, how how far pro- progress-wise are you I, in the game, Shay? I just... <laughs> so I had just gotten the second um, little electrical piece for the uh, jail area. And I was about... like I had just gotten it from the clock tower. And I was mm-hmm. running down to go go to that area and then Mr. T showed up or whatever the fuck his name is. So sick of that guy. Oh yeah, guy. that thing's creepy. Fucking yeah. hate him. And um <laughs> so I re- like I got lost. I went down the wrong stairs. I always mix up the stairs in that game. And so I, I start going back up these stairs and then he, his stupid ass turns around the corner, starts going down the stairs. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> So I'm trapped in this basement and it's the basement where you have like the club key on the left side and the heart key on the right side. And it's the interrogation room. So I ran in there 
And like I'm huddled against the window waiting for him to come in because I'm going to hop through the other side and hop out and run up the stairs. But right before I turned it off to come to do the podcast, I was sitting there huddled at the window waiting. And then he never came. But um, yeah, that's about where I'm at right now. I can sympathize. He never came when you sit there huddled against the window and he never came. It was what a disappointment. Mm. Um, No, no, there's a persistent threat in this game that's actually pretty pretty unnerving because you can't really kill it and uh resident evil games do that it's not completely uncommon the baker dad was like that a little bit in resident evil 7 but this one is really persistent and it fucks your shit up because you're trying to backtrack and explore and you hear like, yeah fuck ah i gotta go <laughs> i gotta get somewhere um, right exactly so stressful it's like fucking jack jack from the tekken series decided to make an entrance into resident evil essentially is what it is Hmm. Yeah, I think his name is Mr. X, I think, but, um, eh. yeah, well, it's just I'm gonna call a, Mr. T. a T that got a little drunk. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Got a little wobbly. There's yeah. one arm on the floor trying to hold himself Just a up. little wobbly. Just a little wobbly. Yeah. But, um. to, to, <laughs> to your credit, Morgan, I will say that the game's atmosphere has been surprisingly held up. From Resident Evil 2's atmosphere we talked about was really well done. Uh, the original. Just the way you look at things, uh, the way it's shot was very creepy. And it's interesting. They managed to capture the creepiness, but in a different way. And one thing that's really helped me is I've been playing on... Um, I, I put the noir costume on. And it's made everything black and white. Hmm. And um, it adds this layer of creepiness that it, it's like it's so much like it makes it difficult in a way. And it makes it much more creepy because like you go into a dark place and granted it's dark. Um, you don't see any colors. It's just black, white and gray. That's all you're seeing. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to see certain things when you're trying to peer around the corner and it's, it makes it more nerve wracking too, because like what you were talking about Morgan in that specific sequence, when um, you're down in the parking garage and that whole cutscene happens with the, with the dog, the ferocious dog. And then you, you basically, um, you go into the morgue and the dog kennel and stuff, it was so much creepier in black and white. Um, I remember playing that whole sequence in color many years ago, and just the whole black and white creepy vibe to it is just... It's been, it's been a lot more fun. And actually, it's been interesting because it's added this almost gothic vibe to it. So I'm just like just playing it in this very different setting. Um, it's been super fun. It's it's Wait, like it's so it's like playing the that's... playing the game you remember, but just adding layers to it, and to and it turns it almost into a completely brand new game. That's weird. You're playing with in black and white the first time through. Well, it's not my first time playing and beating this game. This is like my third time. Like, granted, the remake, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's still horrifying in in color because they redid everything in the. In the section with modern visuals and everything, um, right? What what I want to do 
is because like you, I want to play through it again a second time, and I want to play Claire's story because I'm playing Leon's story. And I want to go through and play it in normal, like the normal color graphics, but I want to do it with the classic music. I've been doing it in the modern music um, with the noir settings, and the music hasn't been bad when it's there, but it's just like it's not that memorable music that Resident Evil 2 yeah, had. Yeah, there was, there was somebody... <laughs> There was somebody that commented, they said they had the classic music on and they had to turn it off because it was too horrifying. I was like, yeah, it's fucking intense, <laughs> yeah, I remember man. That. Like even, do they even have the music for Mr. Mr. X when he's chasing you around and stuff? Because there's some very specific music in, in the classic game for like whenever he shows up. It's like operatic. Like, oh. I see, I don't remember that. It's a lot more subtle in the modern music. It's a lot more subtle. Oh, of course it is. Butchered everything. Well, it sounds like, yeah, I'm excited for you to play it the next time uh, with the music and, and color. I am too, but I will tell you this. I have been absolutely loving, absolutely loving this game. Um, the fact that they've not made it like a one-to-one just graphical remake, that they've actually kind of changed the order you solve some of the puzzles and just the like the different placement of even enemies. It's awesome that they've done that because I think it makes the game feel justified in them making a remake where you look at like Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot's an awesome game and I'm, I absolutely love that they remade it, but it was a shot for shot remake. And mm-hmm. of course, a lot of fans want that, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans will moan if it's not, you know, close enough to the source material. I think that this game has found the damn near closest they can be to perfect on edging that line of them having remade it and it feels almost identical enough to the original game while being different enough to be a a new game entirely. And it's awesome like how well they've managed to toe that line. Yeah. Well, that's what you're saying when you were when you were gone, Shay, is that they kind of got fortunate because you can't bring the old Resident Evil gameplay. They wouldn't have any confidence in that. So they were kind of forced to evolve it. Um, and that we're all the better for it. You know, we're like crashed. They're like, oh, this still holds up today. It's a game where you jump, you know? Right. So it's, and there's absolute credence to that. You know, it, with Crash, they could have even done something like, and I don't want to make this like a crash. Um uh side sidestepping or talking about crash or anything like that um but i think they could have done something to where they changed up a few of the levels here and there you know like added a little bit different uh layouts but yeah it was so damn similar that i was able to beat those games so quickly because you've already I done mean, it all yeah yeah it, it's exact replica it's like it's like it's like buying a, a brand new iPhone to me. Like, say you have like an iPhone. Like, let's pretend we were back in iPhone six to iPhone seven. I don't know much about iPhones. Maybe Samsung is a better example. Um, Samsung, you know, seven to eight. There wasn't much of a difference. I mean, the processing stuff was a little bit faster, but it's largely the same phone through and through. Like, the looks were the same. Um, the functionality was pretty much the same. And that's how I felt like Crash Bandicoot was. They put a little bit of polish on it, and then um, 
they just let it go, you know, and that's cool. The polish was awesome, but there's nothing really new to to necessarily justify a new game. And whereas with this one, they didn't just polish it up. You know, they added a lot of little things. Like I said, they they changed around the layout. They changed around the puzzles. They changed around a lot of these little things, and they made it feel more modern. You know, one one of the things that I was actually worried about, and this is such a tiny, tiny thing, but they managed to do it, was I remember in the old game, there's a point where you have to look for a floppy disk, and you have to put it in a computer to get into <laughs> yeah, yeah. into the armory. Yeah. And yeah. instead of it being a floppy disk, um, and this is a slight spoiler, slight spoiler, um, is you have to find a police badge, and that police badge is a USB. Um, it's a dongle, yeah, it's a USB dongle, yeah. And just like that little touch right there to make it feel more modern while still hearkening to the original is like just that little example is the case for the entire game. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've absolutely loved the game. Um, it scared the shit out of me plenty of times, I'll tell you that. It's, and, and it just feels so good to play now, which is, is just so refreshing. Like, it just feels really good. The, I complained about the bullet sponge thing already in, in jest mostly because you don't have to kill everything in this game, but it, it, it makes it a little difficult when some zombies you can kill in three shots and their head explodes and some of them take eight, as I put on the Instagram. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It seems completely random. Um, and I've been reading a lot of stuff on the internet about people saying, yeah, it appears to be random. So it can be frustrating at times when you're like, I'm going to take out this zombie because he's in the way and I'm going to try and do it smart. And I hit him three times in the head and he's still fucking attacking me. It's like, good God, you know? But, um, in general, you don't have to kill everything. You could shoot the zombie in the head and when he stumbles, you could run by him. It's just, you might make your life a little more difficult on you later. But, right. Uh, right. I agree to some, some extent with that. Um, that it gets, it gets a little, a little bit tedious at times um trying to circumvent all those zombies like i know i think it was um ectological who said he it, maybe it's him or someone else who said like i had 70 plus bullets by the end of the game and like i've been trying to do the strategy where i don't use bullets unless i have to i just like circumvent a lot of zombies but it's getting mm-hmm. down to you know fighting miss uh mr x and shit i'm like i'm starting to get low on bullets i'm like how the fuck are you guys you know keeping 70 plus bullets at the end yeah. of this game. Like, I don't understand. I I literally am at a point in the game right now where I'm scared that I may have fucked myself. <laughs> and I wouldn't even be <laughs> mad at the game because it's a survival horror game. I would just be like, God damn it. Yeah. I may You're have Fish, you're probably fine because one of the changes they did make with this when they moved to the Resident Evil 4 system was mm-hmm. to have automatically scaling difficulty which basically makes the game constantly just just barely too hard for you is kind of the thing. So like if you kind of get in your get into a bad spot, you're not completely screwed in this game, which is nice. Um they did this in 4 and they didn't tell anyone where like if you all of a sudden have, you know, basically infinite ammo and are just destroying things, they will spawn more enemies in, they'll make them more aggressive. And uh, that's one of the reasons Resident Evil 4 felt so good to everyone that played it, is because they just, they tuned it to you as you were playing through. Um, 
and that's something that a lot not a lot of games had done up until that point and so yeah it it i think it's really helping with this game well this let, i'll give you an example i'll paint a very brief picture and then i want to get fish's thoughts here because i know he played a little a tiny bit of it he got to taste it he's probably gonna get further in there um but I'm in an area right now. This is the picture. I don't have a lot of ammo and I don't have a lot of health. I'm toward the end of the game. And in this room, there's zombies, three or four of them, and liquors. Now, here's the tricky thing. You can slowly walk past a liquor and they will not... It's all sound sensitive. They're blind, right? The problem is there's zombies in that room as well. So if I shoot the zombies, the liquors go crazy and murder me. If I don't shoot the zombies, they can still see me. I can't sneak around them, right? So... I'm in a really, like, holy fuck, I think I fucked myself kind of place in the game where I might have to just run in that room, know exactly what I'm getting, and try to run out and pray. Um, Because I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I I don't, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have enough ammo to go in there, guns blazing. I kind of fucked up. There was a section where I was wading through the sewer, and these large creatures were coming out, and I was killing them. And just because it felt like I couldn't get around them, and and I feel like I might have used a little too much ammo. Um, and there's a couple rooms of zombies that instead of running through, I was like, well, I got some extra ammo. I'll try and clear them out intelligently. And it took way too many bullets to shoot them in the head. So I may have fucked myself a little bit and I'm, I'm going to see after the podcast, I'm going to try and see what I can do. But that's that risk reward thing is what makes it interesting. A fish, mm-hmm. you've spent a little time with the game. Do you have any, uh, what's your, what's your takeaway so far? Uh, I'm just upset that my combat knife broke. I thought that was my my ticket to conserving <laughs> ammo throughout the game. Because uh, I got you can real find good more. more yeah, there's more knives. knives. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine there was because there there were, I think there was like a special like taped up box that you had to cut open with a the combat knife. I I cut that open and I was like, hey, you know what? I could cut some zombies with this as well. So. I was running through uh, the police department just killing all the zombies with the knife, and then I noticed that it went red. How did you you pull that off? Because every time I tried to swipe at them, they were so close to me, they would just grab me. And then I was just like in that animation. Uh, uh, You you have to position yourself uh, in a way that you can't be attacked. Kind of going at them from from their side or letting them lunge towards you and kind of dodging. Oh, okay, um, okay. And then counter-attacking with uh, knife uh, lunges and stuff like that. Um, but We're, we're yeah, real-time discovering exactly how I got all those free wins right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never really... So the thing was, I never really explored the knife, but the one time I had it, I took tried to take a swipe at the guy before he was in my range, and he just reached in and got me and bit my neck, and I was like, well, I don't know if I want to risk that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's cool because you can stab them. Like, if they have this cool emergency meter thing where if they lunge at you and you're holding a knife or, like, a grenade or something, it gives you a a button prompt where you can shove the grenade in their mouth and push them away. uh, Or you can stab them with the knife to get them off of you, but it doesn't really do any damage. And then when you kill them, you can actually pull the knife back off their body. Um, So there's a lot of cool little touches like that. Like, I was in this one scene where this guy came out of nowhere. It was like three zombies in this room, and I shoved the grenade in the one guy's face and pushed him away, and the next guy came up, and I popped him, boom, boom, right in the head, and this guy came up behind me and grabbed me, and I was like, ah, shoved him off me, and then the guy with the grenade in his mouth blew up, boom, and they both, it was fucking intense. (sighs) I need a cigarette. (laughs) Sorry, Fish, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, uh, I definitely like the fact it. You know, it's it's running on the Resident Evil Seven's like engine, I guess, um, which I like. I, I like that kind of over the shoulder cut type of look in the game. Um, and I, I've never actually beaten Resident Evil Two, so uh, oh, I'm curious wow. okay. to go through it. And uh, I, I mean, I have nothing to compare it to. So essentially, it's it's a brand new game to me instead of a remake. Um, Granted, it is another Resident Evil game, um, but it it's highly polished. Like uh, that opening, the opening scene was startling for me. Like how how it, I don't know if it's because I'm playing it on the One X, but like it it ran real smooth, and um, that opening scene was with that truck driver just barreling. That's down Claire's. The road. Yeah, that's Claire's opening. Yeah, that guy oh, in the hamburger. Is it? Okay. Is he oh, in the hamburger different. all okay. creepy like? Yeah. yeah, I think it's different yeah. for Leon. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's they do weird things in Resident Evil. Like he's eating a hamburger and there's something creepy about it. Because he's listening to the radio yeah. and they're talking about like zombies and like infections and he's just like ah, blah, blah. It's just right. it's unnerving and I don't know why. It's like this weird thing. Yeah, it, it definitely set the mood of that game. Um the, the <laughs> it it was it was really unsettling like seeing this truck driver driving down the highway 70 miles an hour you know listening to the radio not paying attention and he ends up hitting somebody walking through the road and turns out to be a zombie that bites him but um uh yeah wait a second he had a zombie going 70 miles an hour and it was still in enough pieces to bite him (laughs) yeah isn't that fucking weird (laughs) how does that work how does that Something work? Something isn't adding up here. Man needs that, to get himself cap- a bigger semi. I know. He's <laughs> not doing a lot of damage. Uh, who knows how fast he was actually thing. driving, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's driving yeah. in the rain. Maybe he was a safe driver. Yeah. Are you just, did you just throw that 70 miles an hour thing in there just because? You're just assuming he's on the highway or something? Yeah. That's, That's a logical. Drivers do, That's a, right? <laughs> truck drivers drive 70 miles an hour. Hmm. Sure. Maybe he was getting to the town and he was in city limits, you know, and he had to slow down quite a bit. Um, okay. But yes, well, the cool thing yeah. is the with the different story has the different cinematics and uh, elements of the yeah. game. So, are you do, you are you well, you're doing Claire? Okay, so you're trying Claire. Are you doing the original soundtrack? Uh, no, <sighs> I'm not. Oh, between can you I, and can I, can I paid can for I, it. I paid for I, it. Can I turn it on mid-game? Yeah, yeah, you can. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do that then. Because it, yeah, the game was like 50% downloaded, and I was like, oh man, it's getting late. I won't be able to play much of it. But it told me that I could start the game, so I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I started playing the game as I was going through it. Like, it was telling me all the other downloads were, like, the costumes and the weapons and um, the soundtrack were downloaded as I was oh, playing okay. through the game. So, um that I guess that option wasn't there for me at the beginning, but now that I know I can turn it on, I'll definitely experience that. Yeah, you'll have to d- delve into that maybe while I delve into King Mars 3 and we can swap around. Um, so maybe we'll have some further impressions on that a little bit down the road, but it's it's pretty incredible, and our, our followers and listeners really seem to love it. Uh, they voted it the most impressive remake ever. Now, two quick polls, and I want to get Josh's final thoughts, or um, Josh's first impressions on 
Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to take more of the spotlight of the show next week. Um, because we've done enough Resident Evil. But uh, two quick polls that were interesting. One, our audience does not seem super excited for Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, 65% of our audience said that they uh, were not too impressed with what they've seen so far. Um, I had a couple people message me that they were surprised about that. I'm not. You know, it's, I love Far Cry 5, and this game looks like it could be a, a train wreck of a disaster. Um, hmm. Hope that I'm wrong. I really do. I would like to be wrong. Yeah, I don't know, man. They had the opportunity to really put shovels front and center. And they haven't done that. No. Yeah. Well, those shovels. It's just like those shovels. It's just a guy man. on the front with a shovel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. You're right. It could have just been all it could have been about a grave. All digger. shovels Far all the, the time. Yeah. All shovels all the time, baby. The big thing that they revealed in the new trailer was that you get to hook back up with Joseph Seed and some of the remnants of that Eden's Gate um, as an ally. Um, but again, that game just looks very weird, and it'll be out in a couple weeks. But our audience is not does not seem too impressed by it. Uh, some people message me that they were surprised, and I'm like, I'm not, because it just... I, I'm a, a huge fan of that game, and even I am looking at this like, well, I'm going to buy it and play it, but I have no faith that it's not going to be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Um, and unfortunately, my intuition on that stuff is usually right. So I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, man, February's going to be fucking loaded. Resident Evil and Kingdom Hearts still. And that. Good God. What is this? We're already in the fucking... It's already bearing down on us. Um, mm-hmm. For me. Maybe not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then the other poll that I think is pretty interesting is Metroid Prime 4. They restarted development um, with Retro Studios. And this is really interesting because... There must have been some sort of issue with um, what was going on there. I think it was actually Bandai that was working on it. And um, Nintendo said, yeah, this isn't up to our standard of quality for this series. And now Retro is starting over with it. And that's pretty fucking weird. So, yeah, that was a big news story this week. Yeah. That is odd that they kind of let it go on for as long as they did before making Mm -hmm. that move. But. Yeah, I, I, I do agree yeah. <laughs> with the listener sentiment there that it's a, it's a good thing that Retro's finally at the helm again. Um, yeah, just, we need a good Metroid Prime game again, and I, I kind of feel like no one else has figured it out, so let's see what they can do. Yeah. So, let them... Yeah, 80% of our listeners said uh, that they are happy. Mm-hmm. That's what you're alluding to. Yeah. The only thing that's weird to me, though, Josh, is that they, they just feel like Nintendo has a hard time with what they want to do with this series. I mean, I liked Other M more than most people, but they, they toss it around. They do weird remakes with, like, strange developers. I feel like Nintendo just has a hard time getting a grasp on what to do with Metroid. And it's always kind of been that way, and this is just another example of that. And yeah, it's a little it's a little frustrating. I mean, this could be good in the long run. The game's great, but I just I wonder why they have such an uh, so many issues getting this series strained out. You know, it's, it's just interesting to me. Yeah, well, I think they fan. had a hard time figuring out just how to make that move to 3D. Um, and the original Metroid Prime is great at that. Like as far as the actual level design, like the puzzles, the progression of it like all of that works great but they didn't really have you know just solid 
shooter controls in order to make the rest of it work that well. Um, and they kind of tried to slowly get it closer and closer with 2 and 3, and yeah. they didn't quite get there until the Wii remakes, um, which were actually pretty good. Like, oddly enough, like it worked really well just to use that, you know, those motion controls to motion, essentially yeah. use it like a mouse and keyboard sort of FPS movement, which worked really well and finally made those games really click. Um, and then they made Other M, which was just like, okay, it's no longer a shooter. This is just, you know, an action-adventure sort of platforming. Who Who knows? Whatever the hell that game was, that was just a mess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think I they thought... can get there. Like, is like I yeah. feel like between, like especially, especially the way they took it with the remakes on the Wii, I, I feel like they have the, the right idea going forward. That I think they could just make a very solid. FPS that still has all the Metroid elements to make it work. Like I, I think that I think there's something there that can work. Yeah. They just, I hope so. Yeah. Cause it's the fourth one. So people are going to be looking for like, what's that spark? What makes it mm-hmm. unique? What makes it, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very curious Yeah. to see what the hell's going on. We haven't even gotten one gameplay well, trailer, there, not one screenshot. Well, there wouldn't be at this point. They, Literally just started development on it. Well, I mean, from whatever the mess was, I'd love yeah. to see what the hell the mess was. Whatever they, you know, fucked yeah, just just for you know, the historical record, I would love to see that too. Yeah, yeah, like oh, this was the game that we scrapped. You know, mm-hmm. that would be fascinating <laughs> be... to see at some point. I don't know if that's something they're really that interested in tossing out there no. for us to ridicule, but I would be so curious to see that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so, Josh, I'm curious, like, how much time have you been able to put into Kingdom Hearts 3 so far? Uh, what am I at? I think I'm, like, almost 20 hours. Oh, wow. That's pretty um, substantial. Yeah, decent amount. Um, yeah. Um, I was telling Fish this briefly the other day that the game scared me for, like, the first hour. Um, like, I, the first thing you do when you turn on any game, just period, like no matter what it is, is as soon as you get control of a character, you spin the left stick. Like, let's see how I move. Let's like, what, what do I do here? Like, how, how do the controls work? And for whatever reason on this game, they didn't really put a lot of effort into the animations controlling turning super quickly. Um, so I started this game and spun the C-stick around, and I'm just kind of like jittering and jolting in random directions because it doesn't quite make the turns as sharp as I'm spinning the stick. And hmm. I got super, super worried that this game was going to just going to control horribly. Um, And it turns out it was kind of unfounded because the game is actually fairly fast-paced, and the reason they do that is because 
you can actually spin the camera pretty quickly and basically just always be running straight towards the screen. And mm-hmm. you, you can turn your character as fast as you can turn the camera. And so that's, that's kind of what they're going for. Like, oh, you're just going to spin the camera around. If you want to look this direction, you'll go that way and walk forward. Um, and so they just, like, there's already a ton of animation in this game, just considering, because it's all Disney properties and they, you know, had to make sure the polish was there. Um, yeah. So for whatever reason, there's not, like, 18 different turning animations like most games have, like depending on if you're running into a stop or running into walking the other direction or something. Um, so it, it, granted, it's not the level of polish you expect from just turning the C-stick, but it's something you will never do going forward in the game. It's just that first initial, okay, let me spin the stick as fast as I can and see what happens, sort of an issue. And because we expect polish in that one little spot, it yeah, just true. it was jarring. It was jarring seeing that happen and be like, "Oh, I'm playing a PS2 game here," and then it's it's not <sighs> it's not past that point. But oh, I was okay, worried. Good. I was like worried, worried it, from that just I've heard, initial I've heard, thing. Yeah, I've heard. I hate to when people say that, but I've heard from trusted sources that the combat is a little more glidey, like the way you move around. Um, it is what's, compared what's to two. Yes, two was like super tight like they they made the combat like there was a ton of focus put on the combat there after one because the combat was a mess in one like it worked because it was kind of tuned around it being an rpg kind of stat based mess but yeah in two it was unbelievably tight and it's never been there again like they've never put that amount of focus on there um and my biggest issue is not really that it's super glidey or anything but just that it's too easy. Like, they, they allow you to start in proud mode, which is their version of hard, which mm-hmm. uh, generally after that point you can start on critical? I think critical is their word for it, but it's essentially like a nightmare mode or whatever. Um, the combat's kind of a joke in this game. Um, it's Wait, re- so you're starting on easy? No, no I'm hard? starting you're on hard, on- and it's way too easy. Oh. Um, oh wow! The wow. only time I've died in this game, and this this is my other major issue with it, is my controller died, and the game doesn't automatically pause when your controller dies for some reason in this game. Every game in the fucking world pauses if your controller dies, and this one doesn't. So my one well, death in this game was from my controller dying. Um, well, didn't you get the press yeah. release? They said you waited ten yeah. years for this game. We're not stopping, baby. Nothing's stopping this game. <laughs> yeah, it's going to play forever. Uh-huh. Um, um, wait, so uh, do you think it's... <laughs> you play games differently, though, Josh. I, do you think it may be just too easy for you? Because I you... don't know. It might be, but I don't think so. Um, it, it feels like it's just too easy in general. Maybe, maybe because they were hoping for a bigger mainstream audience this time with all the Disney, and they were like, we, don't, we want this game to be accessible. Maybe they kind of lightened it up. They may have, but again, considering I'm playing on hard mode. Yeah, that's weird. Like, yeah. it feels like it should be at least kind of somewhat challenging at this point. Like, I understand there's probably <sighs> going to be another harder difficulty after I finish this one that... But whatever, like it's it should be harder than it is. It's it seems kind of like just I, um, I just want you to sit in like a therapy room and be like, 
every time yeah um although the therapist uh, games are just not hard enough for me anymore yeah i play on the hard difficulty this game though does have one of the coolest status effects i have seen in any game period and i don't think it's going to get credit but one of the statuses you can get in this game is sneeze which will basically turn all of your commands on your like command list into mm-hmm. sneeze for a short period of time. So if you're button mashing and like some of the enemies will like, you know, put stuff in your face, like throw stand in your face or pepper or whatever. And so you'll be ready to sneeze. So if you're just sitting there button mashing, you'll stop whatever you're doing and sneeze. So if you're paying attention, you can just kind of not hit anything for those few seconds while you're ready to sneeze and still be able to avoid <laughs> attacks and uh... stuff like that. But if you're just sitting there button mashing, you'll stop whatever you're doing, just dead, dead still, and sneeze. Um, which is a really That's... cool idea for an action RPG like that, to just make sure you're not <laughs> just completely button mashing through everything. Best sneeze of, uh, best sneeze of 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's got to be one of my favorite status effects I've ever seen in an huh. RPG like that. To make you sneeze. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And anyway, like, kind of going into the, um, getting past the first just weird impressions there with the, you know, strange animations and sneezing, um, the story, like, I, I mentioned this before, how they have a recap of kind of what's going on in, like you, when you start the game, you have an option to uh, see kind of the story so far. Um, yeah, like a recap. Thing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a recap thing, and it does a great job of giving you the overarching story of like the world in general, like who are all the main players, what's going on here, like actually explaining the story in this world. It does a really good job of it. Um, okay. What it does a less good job of is telling you what happened immediately prior to this game starting. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So you'll kind of start and be like, okay, why am I exactly where I am right now? Like, Sora has memory loss related to basically everything going on with the world in general. Um, and they don't do a good job explaining why he's lost those memories in the lead up to this game. But Josh, you yeah. hate you hate the amnesia RPG trope. That's your least favorite trope. <laughs> well, it's kind of been there for, since forever, since the second game with um Chain of Memories that... where he you know basically they're stealing his memories in order to try to make a duplicate of them to, you know, do their bidding. Oh but, no. No, but like that's been oh, there no. for forever. <laughs> But, I know, um, I just, like, started to remember so, the storyline. Yeah, like, but since he still doesn't have all his memories back, like, it kind of starts off with that little bit of story stuff. And, like I was saying, that recap doesn't do a good job of explaining that aspect of it. So, like, mm-hmm. I can see how if you were just going into it with the recap they gave you, it's not sufficient for explaining that away. Um, And I, I like... It, it felt a little strange. Like, I knew what was going on, but I was like, they didn't explain this well enough at all. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
Um, um, like the other, the other thing that they do nicely here is because it is the th- third in the series, they kind of start uh-huh. you off with a tutorial that is basically just one of the Disney worlds here. Um, like you're just, you're revisiting, um, you know, um, fuck. <laughs> revisiting, is it the Hercules world? It's the Hercules world, but I'm completely fucking blanking. Olympia? Is that Mount, yeah, Olympia? Mount, Mount Olympia. I don't know why the fuck. Okay. Yeah, but you're, you're revisiting Mount Olympia, um, and that's basically the tutorial going through there is okay. they'll have you just go through a world and I feel like that does a better job than the kind of slow plotting intros that these games have historically had um, yeah and so they, they did that well like they get you into the game pretty fast this time um, and, and like I said they, they don't do the best job explaining why you're there but that's kind of that's par for the course at this point so Okay. Well, I, I think that's a good primer, Josh. Okay. Good primer. Cause I want, we're going to talk a lot of kingdom hearts next week. Mm-hmm. Fish is supposed to buy it for me and he's supposed to share it with me. Mm. Well, he plays Resident Evil. He still hasn't bought it yet. So I'm pretty much waiting on bated breath for fish to come through for me. And that is a scary proposition in any walk of life. Mm. Um, oh, don't you worry, big guy. I got, <laughs> I got you covered. I'll buy it for you. We share. We share. You you're borrowing my Resident Evil. I'm borrowing your Kingdom Hearts. Shay's borrowing my Resident Evil. You borrow my Red Dead and my other games. We're sharing. Sharing, sharing is caring. That's right. I, I'm curious to see if Fish buys Kingdom Hearts and I download it. If Shay will then get it from me. That's what I'm fascinated to see if that uh, if we can uh, pass it yeah. through three people. Ooh. And then yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Josh is typing something dirty. I know it. No, uh, no, it was unrelated. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, anyways, that's a good primer, Josh. I'm excited to play some Kingdom Hearts three. I really am. Uh, I want, but I wanted to get your first impressions to kind of set the stage for that. Um, it's been a long show, but it's been a lot of fun. I want to thank everyone for staying with us. If you had this long, our side podcast. I have a podcast called In the Blood, where I interview composers. You should search it out. Shay has a podcast called. Um, evoking the sublime where he interviews developers. You should check it out. Of course, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash swordchomp. Uh, look for our VIP tier. It means the world to us. And uh, we will be back next week with an all new chomp cast. And again, thank you again at Sassy D Merch on Instagram. Sassy D Merch is our new sponsor. It's going to be a lot of fun going forward. That's going to do it for this week's show. We will see you next week. <laughs>